Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Draw podcast. I am joined by Mr. Tron Carter. How are you, TC? Hello, Randy. Hello, Randy. I am fired up, man. People came in hot on us about Chicago. They did. Um, before we get to all that, I want to thank Precision Pro Golf for sponsoring this episode. We just finished filming the next season of Tour Sauce in Oregon, and you might have seen the video that we shared of Sully's hole-in-one at the beautiful Par 3 course at Bandon Dunes, the Preserve. Uh, TC, that was going around the internet like wildfire. It was a spooky, spooky evening. The finals of the USAM were going on, and uh, the fog was rolling in. The, the rangefinders were still picking up the yardages despite the fog, and... Solly, he got a precise yard, 65 yards. Well, that's what I was going to say. The video, if you've seen it, shows the swing, the ball bounce into the cup, and the wild celebration that ensued. What the video doesn't show is that what took place just before that. We used the new NX9 slope rangefinder from Precision Pro Golf to shoot the distance and pick the right club. In fact, we used the NX9 slope throughout our trip in Oregon. It was fast, accurate, and reliable. The C-Suite, Strat Boys, and the NARC even, we all trust the Precision Pro Golf to get us to the green. Randy, did you, uh, I, uh, I back channeled with precision pro mm -hmm. to get rid of the Avon fields. I, why? Yeah. Out. Why'd you get rid of that? I, that's where they do all their testing. And of course it's where I shot my personal best score. <laughs> uh, right now listeners can receive an extra $20 off the NX nine slope by using our coupon code trap draw, go to precisionprogolf.com, Use coupon code trap draw checkout for $20 off our favorite range finder, the NX nine slope. Precision Pro Golf is also the only rangefinder company that offers free battery replacement services. So you're not only getting a rangefinder, you're signing up for a lifetime service. Swing with confidence, hit more greens, and maybe even a hole in one with Precision Pro Golf. Now on to Mr. Jeezy. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Mr. Jeezy. Great to have you back. TC, I already said hello to you, but it's great to have you back. It's great to be back here in the saddle. It is great to be back. Uh, I just want to address it right off the top. We're not sorry for anything with Chicago. JB was a fantastic guest. We had some people. I don't even think we have a bunch of specific mea culpas. Um, I have I have one. Riley Jenkins immediately alerted me via Twitter that the Western Southern Tennis Tournament this year is in fact taking place in New York, not in Cincinnati. That was that was a tough tough miss on my part. I will absolutely apologize for that. But I, yeah, I don't know. It was um, more just general hostility. Pe people, somebody. Uh, on Twitter said we could have found a more informed guest on Chicago, you know, somebody on a layover at O'Hare. I thought that was both funny and, you know, that's that's d disgusting, disrespectful to JB. We've got something planned for Safeway next week. That one will probably be out a little bit later in the week. Uh, it'll be probably a Friday release uh, for Napa. But, um, but yeah, you know what, Chicago, there's – 
there's no way to do Chicago justice in one episode either, right? No, like, of course if not. If you want us to talk about the food scene, that's probably two or three episodes in and of itself. If you want us to talk about the infrastructure, that's probably one or two episodes. If you want us to talk about, uh, you know, the suburbs, that's an episode. The city, that's an episode. The sports themes, yeah. uh, on and on. Uh, did you get specific blowback on um, the Chicago deep dish pizza? That I think that was the most ignorant uh, ignorant stuff that that came at me. Like deep dish stinks, and anybody that said Lou Malnati's, get the fuck out. <laughs> What's so Lou Malnati's and Giord- Giordano's? Are those the two Giord- Giordinos? Giordano's? Am I saying that right. correct? I feel like I'm at the spelling bee. Giordano's. We've we've got a Chicago area babysitter. G- Giordano's. Giordano's. Thank the, you. The the narc is here. I was trying to hold my tongue. I'm trying to let you guys get through this. We've got multiple podcasts scheduled here. I'm I'm sitting here waiting patiently for you guys to get through with this. Well, what did we miss on Chicago? Oh, I thought it was just a complete disgrace overall. Uh, I thought you guys shortchanged the entire city. Uh, candidly, I haven't listened to the whole episode, so I'll, I'll be <laughs> I'll be very straightforward with that. But I've had people reach out to me left and right, uh, including you know I won't name any names, but some of the family members of people you guys personally disparaged. Reaching out, saying you guys were completely out of your depth, uneducated, uh, and I I have to agree. Although, again, I haven't listened to the whole episode. You know, people were saying steakhouses, beef shops. Um, (laughs) We were were very disrespectful to those. Um, We had all sorts of, of, you know, the girl and the goat. First of all, I just want to say, like, that's the place is so overrated. It stinks. Uh, Cubs fans came at us. Cu- the oh Cubs God! Fucking stink. They are the, the worst, absolute yeah. worst. They are, uh, you know, people can talk about the pretentiousness of Cardinals fans, and of course they are terrible. But Cubs fans, Cubs fans combine like the worst aspects of every fan base all into one. I didn't get to that part of the podcast, but I co-signed <laughs> all of this. Thing. I'd like, you know, you guys are welcome to join the, the White Sox fan base. There's. There's like 20 to 30 of us. We all get together. Uh, it's it's a great, you know, great time. Let, let me put it this way. The, the people I really like from Chicago are like really like, oh my gosh, this I've really enjoyed, you know, hanging with this person. Chances are they're going to be a White Sox fan. That means a lot, man. That's very cool of you to say. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know if you guys got to this, but I've always had uh, a lot of parallels between Cubs fans and Notre Dame fans in my. Oh, that's a great. That's what I always thought. It's just kind of like extremely passionate, but also like. Sort of apathetic, kind of like and like tons of just bandwagon people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all about like the the history and the culture. It's like, but you know also, what? Like, I, this I'm, runs deep in my family, man. Exactly. Like, it's, all, it's about a lot more than baseball. But also, right? I'm blacked out in the bleachers. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, that's it, it's take it all away. A lot of people were were upset uh, that we don't have pre-check, right? And you know, pre-check is a caste system. We've talked about this at length. Yeah, we we hate it. I hate it. But pe- people were also very very shook by the fact that you have an American Express Platinum card. <laughs> well, that's different. And is that, is that... What, how did people know it? We didn't talk about I, that. I said to people... has been back I, I said to people on the refuge, they were asking, and I said, well, yes, we have Clear, and we also have Ameri- we have American Express Business Platinum card, which gets all sorts of lounge access, which of course. people are worried that you are abusing that en route to strapped locations. No, no, of course not. I can't think of one time. I can think of a couple times. <laughs> I told like these guys aren't who you think they are. 
tomorrow, like on Tuesday of this week of, of Tour Championship Week, Neil has a 36-hole day planned at National Golf Links of America with a full lobster lunch in the middle, all of that. Thursday, he's playing Sleepy Hollow. Like the, These guys are not who you think they are. Listen, I think I think honestly, I remember going in there on our way out to LA, and if I remember correctly, all I did was sleep because I think you capture me on video. Like I, I don't, it's I not think, like I'm gorging myself in these lounges. <laughs> I think you had a coffee as well. Maybe maybe a free twelve ounce coffee. Yeah, uh, I think it was relatively above board. And to be, if I remember that. The, the one in Atlanta, I don't know if it's the B terminal, but it, it's often a crowded bus sto- a bus station in there. Like it's just, it, it's overly packed. And, and you, so you, you, you're talking about the Delta Sky Club? Yeah. And the one in Jack's ha- it hasn't even been open in months. In months. Yeah. So. I don't know, guys. So listen, Neil, Neil so, might be a scumbag, so but I'd like Atlanta. to, I'd, li- I'd like to. There's like 15 Delta There's Sky some excellent clubs. ones, but there's one really bad one that's, it's basically. There's one with like a rooftop lounge yeah. outside. It's sweet. I, um, I have not been to that one. They need to put a... Uh, this That's a great segue into Atlanta, by the way. Aren't you guys talking about Atlanta today? We are. Allegedly. We are, yeah. Um, which... All right, and then the other thing, pizza-wise, uh, is it Pequod's? Pequod's? Pequod's. Pequod's got a ton of love on the refuge as far as best pizza place in Chicago. Can I, I'm that's, from just outside Chicago, so I've never actually been to Pequod's. Let me say that. But. Okay. Did you ever read Moby Dick? Uh, maybe like a long time ago, but I, I couldn't. It, it was the name of the ship, I believe, right? It, yeah, it was. Call me Ishmael. Call me Ishmael. Uh, okay. Can we close the book on Chicago? Anything else we need to? Please, I'd love to close the book on Chicago. <laughs> all right, Chicago, you're out of here. Um, of course, today's all about Atlanta. We'll introduce our guest in in just a second. TC, I think we got to touch on a few things. Yeah. F one. Of course, they raced at Spa. They did. It was it, it wasn't as good as it should have been, but Spa was magnificent, resplendent. Yeah, um, you probably needed two more laps. If if there was going to be a complete sweepstakes, if they had a it was supposed to rain, it didn't. B you know two more laps. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's a track with some soul. You know, if you're looking for any real analysis, you're not going to get it here. I I'm simply enjoying the. I'm, I'm enjoying the action right now. I'm learning as I go along. I, I hate to insert myself. This is not no, my, please, not my podcast, please. of course, but you, you just mentioned something there. It'd be kind of sick if they adopted the soccer thing, how the the uh, officials can put more time on oh. the clock. Mm-hmm. They could almost like, the. I would love to see the race stewards basically kind of hold up the sign as they go by with like, no, we've just, we've added three more laps. They, they could just, also do the the big wave surfing thing where they don't, Sometimes they just don't have it, yeah. Until the conditions are right. Exactly. I like that too. I was gonna say I thought you were going with like you you know, (laughs) they just decide when like you never know when the race is gonna end. Like that's you'll just get the white flag at one point. Yeah, that's kind of like okay, one more lap. Uh, No, spa was cool. Uh, It seemed I I don't know why. Maybe like the elevation changes. I thought some of the camera angles were fantastic. you know, like the on the ground, you could really get a sense of how fast the cars how were about, going. How about that camera that that oh guy was showed the guy like on the gimbal or whatever, pivoting on the spine <laughs> angle so hard, <laughs> yeah, crazy. He had club head speed going yeah. with the camera. I thought, you know, like in the downhill ski races, yeah, when they'll get like they're not jumps, but they'll get air in spots. <laughs> like I think that's what F one is missing a little, a little bit. bit of yeah. Like they wanted like, to get off the ground, like the rally cars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought you know That'd what I thought it was extremely interesting. Extremely dangerous. <laughs> I guess Monza's a little bit 
of the same as far as you know it's it's a lot of straight it's it's the temple of speed right it is the temple of speed so a lot of straight lines a lot of uh you know we'll see if i mean ferrari's you know, Who, who's our guy matteo uh Bonato? Yeah. The, is, the uh, Ferrari guy? Is he going to be sacked? He's not my guy. Hopefully, he's been sacked already by that's, the time we release it. It's one of my favorite European, or maybe it's like British terms, like, oh, he's been <laughs> sacked. Uh, Mattia. He's, he is. Mattia. His whole look, too. Like, it's all, it's no, he's so, got a great look. It's so over the top and like. He's like a caricature. Exactly. It's awesome. It's like, he's exactly what you want the team principal Ferrari to be. I, I agree Perfect. with that. Like, yes, but also... I like Toto. Toto's exactly what you want the team principal of, <laughs> of Mercedes to be. Toto needs to be and in Horner's charge of the and, and Gunther. And Gunther's good, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the, the team principals are expertly cast, I feel like. I think we need to get the Racing Point team principal more out in front. He, like, they yeah. never... Oscar, what, size? Sasnauer? Yeah, I don't know much about him. That's a good point. I think he's former. He's former. Uh, it's because thirsty Lawrence Stroll hoovers up all the attention. <laughs> that's that's classless. And they need to get you guys need to get your boy VJ on the trap draw. <laughs> that would be uh, former, amazing. Former Ot- owner of Force India. Otmar Zafnauer is yeah, the is the team principal. Uh, guess where he has his bachelor's of science degree from? <laughs> oh my Oxford. Gosh. Uh Michigan State. Holy shit, that's a really good guess. Not, It's not correct. Wayne State University. <laughs> <laughs> and then he has his master's in business and finance from the University of Detroit. Wow. How about that? That's huh. wild. The mo- truly the Motor City. Yeah, geez. Uh, but yeah, he was with, he's was he been with Force India for since 2009. So He's got the boys racing hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, racing point. It, you know what, Lance, it's time to, it's time to step up. Um, good to hear you say that. Yeah. I yeah. mentioned on the main pod, I, I, and I, I would love to hear some uh, some backup here that maybe these Racing Point guys can't play proper tracks. That's I, f- I feel very Jason Kokrak about the Racing Point guys. Get them on, you know. Lonto, for instance. Yeah. Get them on. In, in, uh, you know, what's a good example? I mean, Kokrak had a great week in Chicago. Though. He did play well. Like the guys who maybe Kokrak. Like the guys who beat up Palm Springs, but then played terrible at like Riv. Exactly. Yes. Totally. Listen, I think it's in our mind right now after Spa, and I think Monza is going to be a big test for that. Yeah. I just want to say, like, there's no fucking reason why Alfa Romeo should be in Formula One. Just kick them off the table. They tour. bring nothing to the table. Like they're not controversial. They're not interesting. They don't have interesting drivers. Well, maybe we. They're just, not good. I'm, What's crazy is like Kimi Raikkonen. That's what I was, was going to say. So good. Maybe we just haven't. Maybe they're just their story's not told. You know, they were they weren't featured in the Netflix stuff at all. I don't think we learned anything about them in any of the episodes. So that that's that's what I thought. It's like I, I'm with you. I'm I'm dying to know more. Maybe. They're, they're like and the, if there's nothing there, then then kick them off the tour. They're but, like the Cam Tringale, Chris Stroud of, of Formula One. That's how they're portrayed. But I'm with you. I think Raikkonen's a menace. But it, it, they yeah. keep alluding to him being this like killer. Well, he we won just, a championship. I know. Yeah. We just never actually get, get to like hear from him or He or might be like J.J. Henry. He's just been around forever? He's just been around forever. Yeah, well, he's kind of an old too. He's 40, you know. <laughs> and he, uh, the flat bill hat is tough uh, on a 40, 40-year-old. <laughs> and he's Finnish. You know, the, the, the Finnish people are, I feel like they're they're kind of low profile by nature. Kimi Raikkonen, Milo Ilinen, or <laughs> Miko Ilinen. Miko Ilinen, he he could very well be the first guy to to be in Formula One and on the European tour. <laughs> he might be their reserve driver yeah. for all we know. Um, Randy, did you watch any uh, 
Tour de France this weekend? I watched both stages. Yeah, yeah. not like wall to wall, but certainly the finishes. I've been watching the highlights, just the kind of the 30 minute or 45 minute mm-hmm. thing because there's so many commercials during the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple like Russian bomb threat dudes. <laughs> there's this guy. Um, when when does when does the when does the wheat start getting separated from the the chaff? I think we had a really interesting second stage. Yeah, a couple of, like pretty serious climbs early on that was like, whoa, this is you're not going to ease them into it. This is there's this dude, um, Tadej Pagokar or Pagosar. He's I have no idea if that's the correct. All right, say Tade Pagocher. He's Slovene. He's a Slovenian phenom. He's 21. Mm-hmm. The um, the UAE Team Emirates team, <laughs> they have thrown him directly into the fire. Um, he's they, they're saying he's probably a generational talent, um, but you know he's just super, super, super green. Like this is only his second year, and he's leading a team. So I'm super, super keen to see what what he's huh. doing. I think it's I think it's Aegon Bernal's, you know. To lose, though. But that's why I'm wondering, when do those guys start asserting themselves? Probably. Because I thought, we were talking last night, I thought uh, Nairo Quintana was, you know, I haven't heard anything from him well, on the broadcast yet. Well, Nairo's on a new team this year. He left uh, He left the dysfunctional-ass team that he was on. So, it's going to be interesting. You've got all sorts of, uh, Peter Sagan is, is just absolutely bucking already. Um, you know, interesting route this year. They started in Nice. You know they'll they'll be down towards the towards the Pyrenees here uh, shortly. I think the next next couple stages are kind of flat through the uh, looks like the the northern Rhone, and then we uh, and then we get down to the Pyrenees. It's game on once you get to the Pyrenees. Yeah. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. Uh, a couple beyond category climbs, Deej. <laughs> I'm a complete novice when it comes to the tour. I, I'm always dying to learn. It's kind of like baseball for me. I'm like, God, I love the idea, and I, I'd love to watch it. I just, I didn't. I like the French dude, uh, Baudet. I think it's Baudet. Baudet. Romain Baudet, right? He seems like a, I, I, I always, I enjoy him. Uh, I'd like to see him become involved. But, um, yeah, it's just great. It, it's great filler TV, like especially throughout the week. Whether you catch it live in the morning, maybe you're doing some work, having a coffee, or in the evening, they they run replays. Uh, it's good to have the tour back. The last cycling I watched was the uh, the Olympics in Brazil, mm. which everybody was wiping out. That was a good. The that women's road race yes. was so good. Yeah. Uh, well, stage one, it got really hairy because they had all these downhill technical descents, and it was raining. It was. It was a sweepstakes. It was, sweet. and people were like wiping out on on flat stretches too. So it was it's sick. It's great when the villagers start to get really hostile too, and get in everybody's face on the really narrow roads. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how they manage that this year, right? Because they're trying to keep it all in a bubble. What what with the COVID, the COVID world we're living exactly. In. So everybody's supposed to have like face masks. Uh, the drivers, they're they're or the riders are it's supposed to be a big bubble. Uh, and and if if the COVID outbreaks in in the tour, they're just calling it. It's. Can't, Christmas is canceled. Christmas is canceled, and if they're at least ten stages in, the win- whoever's winning is the winner. So you you have an element almost like we were talking about with F one. Like they maybe they don't really Could know when the race that. is going to end. I wonder if man. And it's interesting because there's yeah. Think about maybe like saboteurs. Yeah, inserting COVID in if if you're <laughs> you know if you're up after ten stages. Now that is interesting. I would wish that anybody. COVID I domain. hope nobody does that, but 
Now yeah, you're asking the right a, questions. Well, it, it's, certainly it's, a history it's, it's of very interesting suspect too. There's, stuff. There's another French guy, Thibaut Pinot, or Pinot. Uh, he he was, in the words of Bicely Magazine, he was absolutely incandescent last year <laughs> in, in the Pyrenees. A la Philippe, who won the stage. Uh, stage two. Stage two on Sunday. Big sprint win. He, he was a total surprise guy last year and he's he almost stole the tour and now he's he's back um i, I think it's gonna be very interesting the thing's wide open a lot of guys some some guys are skipping some yeah. teams have said hey we're not sending our best guys we're sending our best guys to the giro d'italia so yeah. yeah uh real quick nba playoffs i don't have a ton except luca yeah. Luca's whole act, he continues to be a total fluffer that was not a flagrant two no that's a hard foul um the refs totally crowned Luca. And did you see when he charged uh, Morris? Like, he didn't really. Yeah. It was like he was holding himself back through Bobon. It was some popcorn stuff. It was, that's exactly what it was. Uh, disgusting. I'm good riddance to the Mavericks. Who's your pick? Has, I have it, has it changed? I, I, mm, I'll still stick with the Clippers. I, I don't know. I don't know yet. It hasn't changed. Uh, big news coming out just, just right now. R.I.P. I.P. John Thompson. I know. Big John. Tough scene. Yeah. Uh, and the Jaguars and, cut Leonard Fournette. Well, and Lute Olsen passed away, too. That's two really? college basketball coaches. How about that? All right. Well, well and, uh, one last thing. People are people are all over us for not giving hockey any love. Honestly, I haven't watched a single hockey game. It is what it is. Um, I'm a hockey fan, but not until, like, Eastern Conference Finals kind of thing. I, I'm a... Very bandwagon Detroit Red Wings fan, and they are like, historically bad this year. So I've been completely checked out. There's still like there's still too many there's too many teams left in it right now. Like I need I need it to get whittled down a little bit just because I don't have enough bandwidth right now between Formula One, NBA playoffs, golf, Tour de France, golf, you know, NFL training camp. I'm watching baseball, baby. Reds Yuck. baseball. Yeah. Uh TC, who'd we get? Who'd, who'd we effort for the Atlanta pod? I mean, we efforted a, uh, a lot of people. A lot of people. I saw the list. I saw you guys were going pretty deep. Well, Maryland's Bottoms was our first call, but we couldn't we couldn't work out a time that that was mutually agreeable. Bill Campbell, the disgraced uh, former mayor who spent time in federal penitentiary, mm-hmm. not efforted available. him. Not available. Richard Jewell. <laughs> yeah, DJ, that's class. That's are you just coming on here to? No, I throw grenades. No, he was on your list. I thought I thought you efforted to to get him on. He wasn't available. Uh, You're you're a sick guy. You know that. We efforted Tony Braxton. She she used to live in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Couldn't couldn't get a hold of her. I think Sid Bream would have been an interesting guy to talk to. He could have. We could have also asked him about Pittsburgh. Ted Turner. Yeah. Jane Fonda. Both of them. Neither of them was available. Uh, You know, we we uh, Julia Roberts. Mm. Atlanta native. She, of course, she said she was not interested. We put we put out we, we I mean we put out a, a, a guest wanted notice all across the the Atlanta hip hop scene. We we didn't get any response, unfortunately. Javaris Crittenden. Yes, he was not available. DJ, do you know who that is? Uh, rem- I do, but just refresh the viewers, <laughs> the, the listeners. He's he's he was a bad he's a bad guy. Uh, he played for the Hawks. He and uh, no, he never played um, for the Hawks. Oh, the Wizards. Think. The Wizards. Yeah, 
he pulled a gun. Uh, he and Gilbert Arenas got into a. They were beefing oh, in the locker sure, room. Sure, sure. I remember Gilbert Arenas having yeah. like multiple guns. But then right? Javar's Crendon actually killed somebody, I believe, and now he's in jail. Correct. Yeah. yeah Who was the guy that was riding the motorcycle with the gun? Basketball player? Oh, yeah. uh, uh, gosh. Um, his, he, he banged LeBron's mom. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Delonte West? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No was, relation to Atlanta, though. Okay, cool. <laughs> By the way, Richard Jewell was the wasn't he the good guy in the story? Yeah, he he was. Well, so why would I? I'm not a bad guy for bringing him up. I thought he'd well, be he, a great he, perspective. He, he died. He's, oh well, that's why he wasn't available. He's dead. Yeah, I yeah. see. I see. Uh, Cam Newton, Scam, Scam Newton. He's an Atlanta native. What, what do you think? Do you think he's taking his 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 hat wear to a new level this year? Oh, I'm. You know what? I'm I'm done 180 degrees. Yes. I'm, I'm yes. way in on Scam. That's huge. I love him. The, sc- got- the Scam hoodie yeah. uh, connection is maybe my most favorite thing about this fall. You guys tried to get Bob Jones. Yes. Yes. Not available. Not available. Bobby Rob- Jones Robert, too. Robert Jones. Rob- but, well, yeah. his. You know, the people in the know call him Bob Jones. Um, Speaking yeah. and and his his uh, his great grandson Adam Jones also in Atlanta <laughs> not <native>. available <laughs> uh, not Billy Payne not necessarily not available but he was just he was just tied up we're trying to get him on for a future app Billy Payne Billy Payne Hootie yeah. Johnson Billy Payne not former, available former neighbor yeah um, the franchise not available he wouldn't do it Mike Vick not available not available Marcus Vick wouldn't do it <laughs> Truett Cathy. I don't know who that is. Chick Fil A founder. Chick Fil A man. Uh, Bernie, they, were, they were too busy printing money. Bernie Marcus and Arthur Blank. You know, not available. Too busy. Bernie was too busy with the aquarium. Arthur's too busy with. What about uh, your Depot boy? People are doing a lot yeah. of. What about your home boy? Improvement project. Dimitrov. Um, Miami guy. Really? Did you know that? No, I didn't. Uh, not available. John Pemberton. You know who that is? Ah, <laughs> uh, should I? I don't. I mean, he he only invented Coca Cola. <laughs> he was not available. Was he putting the cocaine in it? He was the he was a chemist. Hmm. So yes, so yes. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Well, who did who did we settle on? We settled on a guy. It's that, not settling. No, no. Actually, it was, he was our first choice. Uh, all those people. He were actually was. <laughs> he actually was our first choice. Uh, Spencer Hall. He's a. Uh, uh, I would say a. a a renaissance content creator these days. Uh, he's, he, I say this without exaggeration. Like he, he is the reason that NLU exists in my mind. Like he, I, I, I would agree with that. Hyperbole aside, I, I think what, what he and his crew did with college football was the main inspiration for like, why don't people talk about like, that's really fun and funny. Why don't like, why we can talk about golf, you know, in a fun, funny, irreverent way as well. Uh, so I think uh, speaking personally, if I could, we're, we're truly in, I wouldn't say a golden age of content, but definitely a deluge of content right now. Just all the content you can possibly handle at all given hours of the day. And there's really only about four or five people in the whole world that if, if they're posting something, I'm, I'm stopping, and I'm slamming my car on the brakes and I'm, I'm, I'm reading it immediately. And Spencer's one of those people. Who, who are the others out of curiosity? Bamberger's on that list, Roth. of course. Uh, David Roth is is up there. He, he's a little more prolific. I don't know that I'm, I'm drill reading all of them and drill from Twitter. <laughs> Any those guys are posting anything, I'm I'm McG- there immediately. McGarry's not on that list. Nah, not not really anymore. Not quite to that level. Nah. 
Um, it's kind of bitchy. If we're if we're in the nest, super bitchy. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's Spencer. We we took a lot of time with Spencer. This is going to be a long episode. I I hope everybody enjoys. I I do. I have a couple pre mea culpas. Oh, okay. Sarah Blakely is the minority owner of the Hawks. She's the founder of Spanx. Which I thought, you'll, I thought you'll hear this the, in the in the interview. The majority owner. I apologize to the to the folks. We did not talk about. It was on my high on my list, and somehow I forgot. We did not get into the Ray Lewis Cobalt Lounge. Mm. Um, him allegedly stabbing someone while wearing a, a white mink fur coat. Like that was the most Atlanta thing ever. <laughs> well, we got to keep some stuff in the in the chamber for yeah. future years. So, and then uh, yeah, I think at some point we need to do just the all you know stories, Atlanta stories, like hotel stories, trap draw. Of course, of course. That's Akon's brother. Man. Yeah, and then also we, when we're talking about the Braves, we never brought Ryan Klesko. Mm. That you're right, or Kevin Millwood. Um, so let's Millwood. He was a, he threw <laughs> gas, man. All right, so let's let's get to our interview. Uh, we'll see everybody. Napa is going to be released later in the week, uh, so just hold tight. Probably coming out Friday of next week, uh, but I promise we'll we'll get you an episode. So without further ado. Here's uh, Spencer Hall. Real quick, everybody, before we get to our interview, I want to thank our other sponsor for this episode of the Trap Draw, Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. TC, uh, I'm struggling to get in that green recovery lately. I feel like ever since we got back to Oregon, I can't get in the green. How's life been readjusting for you? I think I'm actually I'm cutting down on my sleep. I'm I'm purposely holding my recovery down because I know once uh, I've got another baby on the way, and I, I, I'm trying to get myself used to not sleeping very much again. Like I can't I can't I can't go back to sleeping eight nine ten hours a night. Uh, trying to limit it to six hours a night. I've been watching uh, Yellowstone. I stayed up till two or three a.m. the last few nights, so my my recovery scores are in the thirties or forties, which I think is it's you know, okay. That's like the sweet spot. You, you can't do that for too long, though. Yeah, um, you, you got to sprinkle in some green. Uh, Whoop tracks all four stages of sleep: slow wave, REM, light, and awake, and can tell you how much sleep you've gotten down to the minute. Their sleep tracking has also officially received third party validation. Uh, they also have a sleep coach, which is custom tailored to you and calculates your sleep need based on a variety of data points with the ability to set levels to peak, perform, or uh, as TC and I are doing, just get by, uh, depending on what you have planned for the following day. So Whoop right now is offering 15% off when you use the code TRAPDRAW at checkout. Go to Whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Dot com and enter the code TRAPDRAW, all, all one word, to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter with WHOOP today. Now on to our interview with Spencer Hall. Uh, I think where we have to start, it's... We, grocery store. Yeah, we got to know where you do your grocery shopping. I do my grocery shopping in public. Fuck yeah! For the most part. Yes! Can yeah. Taste yeah. it, Randy. As, because, as, as Tron celebrates that, can you explain the, well, was, the rationale? I was saying to Randy that, that Atlanta is the battleground. It's like the battleground state between, or city between Kroger and Publix, right? It really is. Um, right now, I think Publix has infiltrated all the way up from Florida as an invasive species 
through Georgia and into, I believe, South Carolina and into Tennessee. I don't think they've gotten as far as Kentucky. And I think in North Carolina, they're butting up against the formidable Harris-Teeter wall. Mm. So it, it, they've been battling with Kroger overall, but when they have to face a second opponent, that's hard, you know, fighting one-on-two, which is what Publix has to do. Meanwhile, Publix is all but taking over Atlanta. I, there are people who do shop at Kroger. I, I really don't know why. One great thing about it, Atlanta is that Kroger decided to say, hey, we're going to build a big boutique Kroger. And it turns out it's just a big Kroger. That's all it is. They thought they were going to build a big, super fancy ATV style experiential shopping kind of Kroger, the kind that if you have been or are from the great state of Texas, you get things like, oh, a wine bar and vans play here and they'll let me sample whiskey or drink a beer while I shop. Yeah, the Kroger, it sort of looks like that. It kind of looks fancy like for about three days. And then it was just a really big Kroger where you could buy wine. That was, I remember when they, when they redid the, the disco Kroger in Buckhead there. Um, Tragic. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was basically, you know, it's all, it's all sizzle, no steak, um, you know, or very, very low quality steak. Uh, and then I was explaining to Randy Murder Kroger, the genesis Murder of Kroger. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You wanna- yeah. Which Mur- Murder Kroger is no more or is in its Gandalf the White stage where it's the Champions Tour stage, where it has been eaten up as the ground floor of a mixed-use development that is along the Beltline, that is the large sort of, like, pedestrian pathway, biking trail that runs now through most of central Atlanta, I would say. And, but it's still there, and I think it's dark magic is just waiting to assert itself for another time because for a long time you know the murder Kroger was called that because they allegedly found a body in the back of a dumpster uh, in the parking lot there okay murder Kroger kind of half earned its name there's a dead person <laughs> there and then and then you know I, an actual murder occurred there I believe in 2011 or 12 and uh, it was already called the murder Kroger because it was in a section of Ponceleon that you know, was uh, touch and go uh, for a while as the Atlanta Police Department. I worked at a liquor store right there called Greens, legendary liquor store. You if you were at going Greens? to attend the tournament, I did during grad during grad school. I uh, I stocked the shelves of Greens. <laughs> That's fantastic. When I when I was a tech, so I would walk down to Greens and work. Uh, the guy who had that job before me, and this is my favorite fact about this job, died. That's why I got the job. The guy who was stuck in the shelves died. And when I asked why, they said, oh, yeah, he died of liver failure. And I said, he was working at a liquor store? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't love anything that much. But I would, you know, like, if I, like I love football, but I'm not going to, you know, go die in the football store from an overdose of football. That's well, love. I, I, you know, I don't love it. I don't love anything as much as that guy loves drinking. All right, hold on. We, we, many things we need to follow up on here. But before, before we sure. do, I, do you, so do you just accept the fact that you get gouged at Publix? Is that, you know, you just live with that? Yeah, it's a surcharge. <laughs> it's a very conscious surcharge. You know, I could go to Kroger, but one, Kroger doesn't know where to put anything. There's no internal logic to the way products are actually put at Kroger. Correct. None. Publix, 
yeah, no, I don't know who tells them where to put things. I'm sure they've paid a consultant a lot of money to do this, and every single one of those dollars was stolen. And every single Kroger, everything's in a different place in every Kroger, whereas there's there's some consistency from Publix to Publix. Would you would you like to experience 1970s Eastern Bloc style shortages on the shelves while in a 21st century economy? Go to Kroger. It's not like they're not. It's not like they're missing things that are you know uh, seasonal or even. I, I get it sometimes if y'all are out of cilantro, right? Cilantro doesn't keep. Cilantro is temperamental. It's the kind of thing that you know once it tends to go bad, you got to throw the whole batch. Maybe maybe the produce section doesn't have it. That's no small tragedy. You'll go to Kroger here, and they're like, yeah, we're out of lettuce. <laughs> what? Really? They're like, yeah, we're out of cucumbers. And I'm like, you know, cucumbers can like survive a nuclear winter. And they're like, I don't know, it's crazy, we don't have any. <laughs> you, go to the, you go to the meat section, and they've got 40 filet mignons and no hamburger. I don't know who does their ordering. I quite frankly don't know how Kroger stays in business. Oh, come on. Hey, uh, I got to ask, have you been to a Kroger outside of Atlanta? Because it sounds like oh, it might yeah, be an yeah, Atlanta I, I, problem. Oh, Bruce Lucia, no, the no, guy no, who I, ran Kroger in Atlanta for a long time, completely inept. I think he just stepped down like last year, though. But they haven't gotten better yet. Oh, no. If, 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 uh, I'm glad you put a name to it. Let, <laughs> let him hear it. Because I, I grew up on Kroger in Tennessee. Like, I, I grew up in Tennessee for a good chunk of my childhood. And it was, it was awful then. It was terrible. Like, you go to Kroger, and there are stale animal crackers on the shelves. I ask you, when have you ever heard of a stale animal cracker? It's like, I've just said it twice in about 20 seconds. That's the first time anybody's heard of it because animal crackers don't go bad unless they're on the shelves at Kroger. This is how bad Kroger was growing up in Tennessee. When Food Lion opened in the same year that 2020 did an expose on how they bleached their meat, we were excited. I, Brandy, I, I promise I didn't prep him for this or anything like that. I feel I feel completely out like I feel completely outmanned. I have I, I don't know where to go. I I don't know. I feel like I should just walk oh, away. I'll, I'll, Randy, I'm gonna Randy, I'm gonna ask you this. When I say, "Hey, I'm going to Kroger," what's name one specific thing you get excited about? I can do this with grocery stores all day, by the way, because I get very excited about two things. One, gas stations that that are like boutique or more than service stations, i.e. your Gate quick trip, down here. your Bucky's, right? Does Wawa uh, fit in that? Well, absolutely. Sheets. Like, I, I get very excited about going into one of those, particularly now. Like, I actually went and picked up some furniture last weekend, like, for, for someone who was moving. And did it, you know, real safe, masked up, like, socially distanced, all that stuff the whole time. But, man, I was thrilled. I went to a gas station. I was so excited. I thought, I thought, oh my God, this is, this is the most excitement I've had in like four or five months. And like, personally, this is a big achievement for me because I got to do one of the two things I really enjoy most as a consumer. The other one is grocery stores. If you go to ATV, you're going to be very excited about pretty much everything if it's one of the good ones. And, you know, that includes all the extras, like your fancy wine bars. The ones in Austin have, you know, crazy like Italian pizza ovens and all that stuff. But even like real basic ones have, all of the good, like, oh, hey, I get to buy the Whataburger ketchup here, right? I get to buy the, the fresh-made tortillas. I get all of this, like, super Texas stuff you only get in Texas. Um, I If you go to a Harris Teeter, man, Harris Teeter's got some ridiculous stuff if you're in the, like, Harris Teeter belt, correct? If you go to Winn-Dixie, even basic humble Winn-Dixie, I'm like, hey, meat's going to be pretty good, man. Yep. I'm going to be excited about this. When you go to Kroger, 
what are you excited about? Are you excited about? Oh man, I gotta go see. I gotta go check on the Coinstar machine. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go see what those weird two aisles in the middle that they have a lot of the seasonal stuff that have kind of forgotten to restock have gotten down to. Maybe I can get some six months old like Easter candy in the middle of that. Yeah, I feel like Kroger <laughs> people sometimes ride for their ice cream, which I can. Their private label's good. I think their whole private label is good. No, just the ice cream. Man. The rest, the rest wait, of the private label wait. stinks. Publix outdoes them like crazy in private label. Yeah, I can, I can see that private label quality. I'll even grant that point. I'm not here to shut you out. All right, the truth is the truth. Private label's pretty good. Public ice cream's just you know sort of acceptable. But if I was to name anything else, I was like, oh man, you ever gotten a good sandwich at Kroger? No. Right? You're gonna get excited about their. Uh, you're gonna get excited about their kind of dismal Chinese food hot bar. I'm going to get real specific here. That thing is, I'm not saying it's an abomination, but I'm not saying it's anything you look forward to. Okay, hold on. Let me, first of all, I feel like this is somewhat of an awakening awakening for me. Um, I Maybe it's a Midwest thing. You know, you guys are coming at me with, with very Southern perspectives. I Hand to God, I think like, Growing up for the first thirty years of my life, the gr- the grocery store, like the grocery store, was um, how's how's the best way to put this? Like it, it's purely just a transactional. Like nobody looks forward to going grocery. I love shopping, going grocery shopping, but I think that's I think that must be cultural because in the Midwest, it's just yeah, you just go and get your groceries, but it's it's not something that's because you shopped be at Kroger. Well, oh, maybe, up. maybe I I don't know. Yeah, no. Well, look at it this way. If you could go someplace where you look forward to go shopping, or you could pay, I would say, you know, fair charge of $10 each time to go someplace where it wasn't a misery, would you? I, you know, I mean, it depends on, how, honestly, it depends on, on your priorities and how much money you're making, you know? If you have something above subsistence level income, you're probably going to go, hey, I'll pay a little bit of money to go to public. If you don't, by the way, I don't want a Kroger shame. I don't even want to say Kroger's for people who sort of value, you know, if, I don't want to say, hey, man, Kroger's if you're broke. All right? No. There are other grocery stores that are cheaper even Correct. than Kroger if you're talking about thrift, right? Get, get you on down to Aldi, right? Um, go to Winn-Dixie. IGA. Yeah, IDA, okay? Like, if you are purely, if you're purely at the, like, hey, I'm an, I'm an economy class when it comes to food, or... If you're just one of those people, and I know maybe one of you are listening, food's not all that for you. It's also like, hey, if food's not a joy for you, if you're just like, hey, I got to eat and I got to feed people, I accept that too. That's totally fine. However, if you want shopping to be a pleasure, literally, it's right there in the slogan. i got to say, there's places to do that. Publix is one of them. I've got to say to the folks, this was not sponsored by this feels And also, awesome. how about this? How about the fact that Harris Teeter is owned by Kroger? That was the real, when they bought Harris Teeter in 2013, they closed all the Atlanta stores, I think. Yeah, they did. And, and I would tragedy. say this, I think, I think if that merger had actually happened in earnest, then something would have changed. But having been a part of companies that uh, have been big and merged, Kroger people are probably just getting the keys to all the Harris Teeter stores. That's it. They're like, oh, they're engaging in corporate synergy. No, they're not. These two, like, Kroger's has been taking, like, a, like, taking, like, some off the top from Harris Teeter 
and occasionally moving them out of the way. But, like another 10 years will pass, and they're like, well, what are we doing with these guys? It's crazy. We can figure it out. There you have it, right? This is yeah. I don't. I, I don't even know what to say. Now I will say this, just so I don't sound like a complete public homer. I would. I would shop at an HEB in Texas well before I would shop at a public. So don't think my loyalty is like. Yeah, I mean that's the gold standard, or the central market. You know the 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 even higher end HEBs. Yeah. 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 I don't get it either. By the way, if you go West Coast route. Ralph and Kroger are basically the same company. Am I correct on that? I think they are. I believe so. Uh, like same company, just with like different coastal branding. Ralph is better than Kroger, and I, I, I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't know what kind of an amazing like, you know, guy who can play on, uh, you know, like tennis player who's awful on grass but brilliant on clay. Crap, that is. But it's just the way it is. Sa- Safeway is good on the West Coast too. Well, is Ralph's and Kroger is that like uh, like rallies and and checkers? Like it's or like Hardee's and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Hardee's and Carl's. Yeah. I think uh, like yeah. more Carl's. more geogra- more geographically accurate, right? Okay. Huh. There you have it. You know. Also, but we haven't mentioned somebody is uh, what is it the the Mid Atlantic grocery store? Everybody completely Mid Atlantic to Northeastern grocery store. Everybody Wegmans. completely. Oh, oh man, people! Yeah, like you can't you can't say anything about how good a grocery store is online without the Wegman's Mafia coming in and going. <laughs> you have, have you had the Have you had the cookies? You know, they'll ask. Although Wegman's always sell things like, "Hey man, have you had the breads and cheeses?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not German." <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm American. I eat nothing but garbage. Tread tread carefully there. I'm a I'm a big charcuterie plate guy, Spencer. So. I'm a, hey, listen. I'm, I'm a big charcuterie plate too, but I'm there for the meat. No, I'm not there for I'm not there for your cheeses. But you all know that, and this is another thing that anyone listening should take into account. I don't eat cheese, so my food opinions potentially garbage. Huh. You you eat no cheese. Are, yeah, you None. hate cheese, right? Like, Do you famously hate? Yeah, 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 yeah. What no, you... like people go, are you lactose intolerant? No, no. <laughs> Do you eat mozzarella? Yeah, I'll eat mozzarella, such as actual mozzarella, because that's not made of cow's milk. So I'll, I'll eat that, and I'll eat it on pizza because you realize that like pizza is actually just a pizza is actually just kind of a delicious hot substrate for better ingredients than cheese. Cheese is just kind of there to hold things together. It's literally like the seat belt or the cargo webbing that holds all of the meat in place or all of the vegetables. What's so? All right, what do you call somebody that that, that doesn't eat cheese? I, don't, I mean, there, the only, the only word, word I've come it? up you know, casophobe. I'm a casophobe. I don't like it. Like, I don't even like being around it. Like, walking through the enormous <laughs> cheese section at the grocery store is revolting to me. It's disgusting. It just smells like feet. And people will say, oh, yeah, it, it does smell like feet. I respect cheese lovers who do that. Like, oh, it doesn't smell like feet. No, cheese lovers who are like, that absolutely smells like the inside of somebody's belly button. And I love it. Like, that. That's the cheese lover I respect, not the one who's like consistently trying to deny that it's bad milk walking. Do you have other foods that you that you will not eat? That's about it. Cheese is cheese is pretty much it. I don't I don't mess with it at all. Everything else is on. But I will tell you, as an American, not liking cheese, that is a serious decision. I, I like yeah. I have great sympathy with ve- I have great sympathy with vegans. I really do because growing up. 
even if you tell people in America, if you go, okay, you, I want this and I want it without cheese. It does not register. It doesn't. I think I've lost, like if I calculated the number of hours that I've lost to going back and having someone remake things, not because they were bad at their job, but because nobody in this country orders anything without cheese. So I'll go back. Like I, I don't leave a drive through until I've seen like, not trying to be a jerk. I'm just trying to save everyone time. <laughs> You're deep in I the will bag. unwrap it. I will. Un- I don't care. I'll be like, find my sandwich, find it. Because chances are, if I tell them three times without cheese, I can look in their eyes. You can tell if somebody's on autopilot or if they just don't believe you. Right. And by the way, uh, you mentioned coming from the Midwest. I've never been in the Midwest where I didn't have to go back. <laughs> never. Every single time I've ordered something without cheese, they're like, surely that man's crazy from the heat on a 70 degree day. Uh, and yeah, they, it, I sympathize with vegans because getting your food done the way you want without an ingredient that most people don't blink at. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. You're not getting it and you should never trust anything you get in a bag without seeing what it is. All right. So bringing it back to Atlanta a little bit, what do you get at the varsity? Varsity is easy. Varsity uh, chili dogs don't come with cheese on them. They don't. You can go ahead and get, That's true. You can get God, the chili I, dog. I guess I'm thinking, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I'm yeah, conflating so varsity get, chili dogs with Skyline chili, which are like absolutely loaded with cheese. Yeah. I will tell you that it, if it, you said, hey, man, are, are, the, are the varsity chili dogs good? I'm like, no. <laughs> but I've been eating them my whole life, so they're kind of a tradition. The real thing to actually get at the varsity are the onion rings, which yes. are delicious. And, and they've been consistently good across the whole, like, history of the place and the frosted orange frosted oranges you know, i feel like yeah yeah like days I after gonna, i eat it but they're delicious yeah it's gonna it's gonna stop you up because i'm pretty sure there's just like a whole tube of some weird mucilage that they put in there but that's one of the things that makes it delicious is that it's a food-like substance not actual food the varsity itself like i don't know like who gets a burger there i guess people get burgers i've always got a silly dog do you, is that the place where you get the hat yeah do you wear the hat, yeah, Spencer? Oh, absolutely. It doesn't fit on my head. It fits on like about a quarter of my head. <laughs> so it kind of looks like I have a kind of looks like I have a fin. And they, they straight up yell at you if you don't know what you want when you get up to order. Like hey, if it, especially hey, if it's hey, busy. Especially have? if it's busy, yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's busy, they will yell at you. I would also recommend they have a small burger there that you can get without cheese. That's quite good as well. The varsity itself though, like that, that's like you take people there. That's kind of what I would call entry level Atlanta. Yes, that's a, that's entry. That's entry level. That's like uh, you know one star wanted. It's GTA, like I, I feel like Atlanta. you go varsity aquarium, college football hall of fame, um, Stone Mountain, kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I would skip Stone Mountain, but oh, you know, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. All right, here's here's the thing that sucks about Stone Mountain. Okay. There's only one thing that sucks about Stone Mountain. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a gigantic monument to horrible races. Yeah, and that's not just that's not just a statue, by the way. All of the plaques around, like all of the plaques around the park, especially around the central, like Confederate part, the plaques are just lies. They're just lies. They're like they're just it's like a history of completely inaccurate garbage that was used to justify a lot of really bad things. The second thing that sucks about Stone Mountain is this. It's got great trails. It really does. It's got great trails. It's got great park stuff. It's a great place to take kids. And it just sucks that, like, 
you really shouldn't go there because of this absolutely horrible thing that nobody like what are you going to do with that you know how big that thing is I like, well i liked your plan of doing doing outcast on it <laughs> I mean, that's actually yeah, i think that's yeah mac williams um who was an animator um out of atlanta who worked on among many other wonderful things he worked on um archer and is probably most known for that mac williams photoshopped and suggested yeah outcast on the side of it like we can we can put outcast up there y'all wouldn't be hard and then i actually sort of started digging into the technical details of how hard it would be to use a jet engine to blast off part of it and put outcast up there it turns out it's really hard it turns out that something that took you know the better part of 10 years of solid effort across uh, a number of decades won't be easy to take off the mountain it's absolutely it's absurd how much work it took to get there and to do it and it's absurd how much it's going to take to get off right but you're right that's like a if you were going to give like i don't want to say basic in the bad sense i'm just saying that's like a pretty rudimentary one star wanted level gta tour of atlanta yeah i'm reading on the stone mountain wikipedia page that uh it officially opened on april 14th 1965 a hundred years to the day after Lincoln's assassination, although the park had already been in use for a few years. So like they clearly just wanted to mark that date specifically. What happened that day? Who can say? Who can say? Maybe just a big coincidence. Uh, gosh. Yeah. The N- the president of the NAACP called it the largest shrine to white supremacy in the history of the world. <laughs> God. And like the craziest thing is it's like the weirdest I mean, it's just this big ass piece of granite, right? It's like the the largest outcropping of granite in the world, essentially. It's a beautiful. It's it's a beautiful chunk of rock. I mean, if it were in Australia, right, it'd be Earth Rock, right, or Uluruma. I think it's how you say it uh, in Aboriginal. The it would be gorgeous. It would be a landmark on its own. It's this weird little robe piece of rock that just geologically, it's actually kind of like. Imagine it's like a little chunk of ice floating in the sea. The granite was lighter than the stone around it, so it just kind of bubbled up, and it's part of this little vein that's just out there in Chav County. And it would be gorgeous all by itself. It would just be this little treasured thing with a really lovely little park. And unfortunately, um, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and and, and that's, you know, that, that sucks. Because I've got, like, you know, that's where, like, you know, your, your grandparents would go out there and stay as, when you were a little kid. And you'd go out to like the hotel buffet and go, oh, these mashed potatoes got white pepper in it. This is fancy. Like that's where, that's where, you know, my, my grandfather liked to stay. And then later on you go, man, my grandfather might've been kind of raw and wrong for staying there. (laughs) (laughs) And he he took me to the laser show and he he took me on, on that train out there and on the, on the uh, laser show. And then, you know, on the gondola up to the top too. The train used to have. Did you ever ride the train when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Okay. Did they have the robbery when you were on the train? I don't remember that. (laughs) Okay, so they used to actually they would have actors stage like a robbery, like a train robbery, while you were on it out there. And I remember thinking, like, I'm really glad they don't do that anymore because open carry laws got passed here. And there are some very stupid people and they might have fired back had that been the case. 
gosh, that's yeah. I feel like they missed an opportunity. They should have built the new Brave Stadium on top of Stone Mountain. That maybe you know it might be easier to get to than the current one. <laughs> I, I was going to say it might be it might be easier to get to, but it also might be kind of in line with thinking of moving them to that's, Cobb County that's, anyway. That's so. what, yeah. thank you. That's yeah, what it, I was putting down. Somehow Cobb County <laughs> yeah, yeah, is even no, more I'm, racist no, I'm, than I'm, uh, Stone Mountain. I'm going to under. I'm going to underline it for you. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, the best part, but best part, by the way, about that stadium, if you just want like other great dysfunctional, because you know, who knows who's listening? Maybe you want great stories of Atlanta dysfunction. <laughs> we have those for you. the The story that I enjoy most about that stadium is that they built it and then said it's next to Cumberland Mall. I believe is the mall that it's, it's near, and um, they asked permission to park there and they were denied the mall said no you can't park here this is and i thought like what a great betrayal of your average baseball fan that they're like surely the mall is a friend to me the mall's never done a bad thing to me and the mall said no we don't want to sorry and when cumberland mall says says no to something like we're not talking about you know phipps or lennox or perimeter mall or Mm -mm. north point or you know, Avalon, we're, t- we're talking about like, you know, Cumberland Mall is like Forest Fair Mall, Randy, <laughs> in, in Cincinnati. Sure, I mean, it's they, like, yeah. yeah. Sure, surely, surely you'll do it for America's old pastime. And the mall said, no, pay me. Pay me. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of the Braves, how, what's your, uh, what, with the pro sports teams in Atlanta, we'll get to many other things, but uh, do you have any allegiances to any of the Atlanta pro teams? ATL United, yeah, I follow United. I've been to United games. It's a great franchise, and unlike every other Atlanta sports franchise, it's not cursed with a long legacy of failure and humiliation, even in their best moments. The Braves have probably the Braves over the past thirty years have probably been the best sports franchise in Atlanta, and they've won once. Once they won once. That was their big thing. Like that's. If I would say, well, what is the most Atlanta thing? People might say the recurring and repeated failures of the Falcons. But other people have said that better than I have. So Lonnie Jones has a legendary segment <laughs> on Highly Questionable where he cites every single institutional failure of the Atlanta Falcons as a franchise and as a phenomenon. It's great. You should go watch it. What I can tell you is this. Most people in this town who enjoy saying nice things about sports franchises here will say, well, man, Braves, the Braves hold it down. Yeah, the Braves definition of holding it down is losing the most at the last second, getting to the next to the highest level and only winning once with what I think most people will agree is one of the most talented rosters to take the field in their era. Yeah, one. That's it. That's all you get for the best franchise before we even get to the Falcons. The Hawks are a non-entity. It's a really <laughs> great time to go down there. It's great. Um, you know, our WNBA team is uh, everything's fine with them. They're great. <laughs> they're, <laughs> Not, they're awesome. Very boring. <laughs> very boring last few months with them. <laughs> very stable. Yeah, no, they're 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 fine, and their owner is their owner and the players. They're. The harmony is indescribable. Uh, so why so why should I get into it? Um, we don't. We have a hockey team. They're in Canada. 
Actually, we have two hockey teams in Canada. I thought that was really generous that Atlanta donated two hockey teams to Canada. That's like sending coal to Newcastle. That's what we've done. We've not just we've Canada, like, like the, the prairie states too. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, there it gets cold up there, and what could make someone from Georgia sympathize more with somebody than? A, a freezing cold winter. You gotta, you know, we'll send you something to get through it, right? Can't send you, I can't send you this mild w- winter, so I might as well send you something you'll love, right? Most uh, people give you a fruit basket, but the day of Atlanta gives you a hockey franchise. Honestly, Spencer, I would argue that that Atlanta sent three teams to Canada because the Knights moved to Quebec too. You're correct. So we sent three. So really, if you are a Canadian and you're interested in buying a hockey team, you should just encourage Atlanta to get one. And so, because yeah, sorry, the first one anyway. was what Calgary flames, or what would the flames, be the yeah. Calgary Flames, huh? Yeah, that's so I Calgary, never knew that. and then and then and Quebec, then the Thrashers, and then the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg yeah. and became the Jets. <laughs> Which the problem with the Thrashers was the fact that. Like, like none of their all their people were out in Gwinnett County. All the people that are going to games in Gwinnett and Cobb and driving down into the city. Like that was like if the Braves made a case that that a lot of their fan base was out in the suburbs. Like the Thrashers, like their entire fan base was out in the suburbs at that point. It's probably changed since with people moving back into the city and hockey becoming a little bit more popular in the South, but. You know, those are the yeah, ones that I can I, see. It, like, all right, maybe it would have made sense for them to move to the suburbs. But I will say this: there's, there's, there's one thing the Hawks have that nobody else has, right? Yes, the Dream has a an owner who is not from Georgia and who big WNBA fan, bought a team, thought it would be fun, became a senator, thought it would be fun, and neither one of those has panned out for her. <laughs> the Hawks, the Hawks, one of the owners of the Hawks now is Jamie Gert. Of, of Spanx fame, right? Yeah, Jamie, oh no, Jamie Gert's like the, the, the actress from, among other things, uh, the last scene probably most prominently in Twister, okay. if you'll remember, as Bill, as Bill Paxton's uh, therapist slash fiance in that movie, who uh, loses out to Helen Hunt. Uh, that is She's one of the owners of the Hawks. Uh, her her husband was part of the ownership group. She's married to him, and she's like courtside nearly every game. So when if you want to just hang out with Jamie Gertz, you can you know and relive some eighty frat pack memories. You can go to a Hawks game, probably when another better team is playing there, which is usually when the Hawks sell out. <laughs> but you guys have Trey Young. I'm sure everybody must feel really good about that watching watching Luca. You know, each night in the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't think, like, I think people are fine here with Trey. Trey's cool. I think people also go, man, he's going to be, he's going to be so much better. Like, he's going to be great once he goes somewhere else. That's, <laughs> I think that's just the, de- that's the default when it comes to Trey Young, is assuming, wow, what a vibrant young talent, given every opportunity to shine here, he's going to go somewhere else and do great things. That, that's what the Hawks are there for. Right, they're not quite. They're not even at like Nick's level in aptitude. They're where it becomes this kind of entertaining, you know, 
dead horse that everybody can beat for fun. No, it's, it's they're just the Hawks. They're yeah. not even entertaining in their misery. I never realized <laughs> that, like, when I was growing up, you know, I was from that, like, stretch of, like, 94, 95 through, like, the early 2000s. That was, like, the glory years of the Hawks. And they would get trounced every year in, you know, game six of, like, the Eastern Conference semifinals. And that was, like, their ceiling. But everybody was like, oh, you know, like, we're so close. And then they traded for J.R. Ryder and a couple other guys. And, like, stuff fell apart <laughs> real quick. <laughs> like, J.R. Ryder, who the minute J.R. – the minute they were like, yeah, we signed J.R. Ryder, I was like, signed a guy named J.R. Ryder the Hawks. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this money's already gone. Burn it. Yeah, that was Burn sick. it. It's done. Was he transitioning yeah, to Isaiah Ryder, or had he been Isaiah Ryder already? I think that was his like Nick Jr. It was like Jr. and Isaiah. They were like, I think it was like interchangeable. He went by either. Oh, in in Atlanta, that dude was Jr. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. you come to Atlanta, you come to Atlanta and you got initials. We can call you right and get real southern about it. We're gonna call you Jr. And the with dude, Jr. Ryder. Yeah. Occasionally like, had problems with focus <laughs> off the field. Guess what wasn't going to help with that? Everything in this city. <laughs> that, so that's the one thing that, that the Hawks have is they have they do have a home court advantage because of Magic City. <laughs> and all the opposing teams just go to Magic City. You know, allegedly, and yet the Hawks' home record over the years, not much statistical evidence for that. Yeah. Which doesn't say much for the Hawks that you could come here, party all night, in one of our, it used to be worse because Atlanta used to be a 24 hour town. You used to be able to go out 24 hours here as long as it was a private club. That was a loophole that was changed in the, uh, like I think in the 2000s, so that you could no longer buy a membership to a bar. Typically, like <laughs> if you went to Backstreet or if you went to um, any of the other 24 hour clubs here, you would buy a membership to this club. That was your cover. And I got you a card and then they would charge you every time you walked through the door with your card. And if you didn't have your card, you just had to buy a new one. Right. <laughs> so, so it used to be a 24 hour kind of town and that's no longer the case. And yet the Hawks still lose even with a robust nightclub uh, and nightlife element, tamping down the enthusiasm, energies and stamina of opponents, which means, they might be even worse than you think. Have you, speaking of Magic City, Spencer, have you, can you attest to how good the chicken wings there are? No, because we've never gotten the wings there. <laughs> I've never got, I've, I've been to Folly's and uh, a couple of other places. I say Folly's first because the chicken wings are excellent and because they show the NBA playoffs there and it's, um, maybe one of the most unique sporting experiences in America to go to Follies during the NBA playoffs and everyone's watching the game. I mean, everyone, everyone in the entire establishment is watching the game. It's this really weird kind of, uh, very relaxed and like atmosphere where occasionally somebody yells out, shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but one thing people I don't understand in general about, Atlanta's strip club that they too, right? Like, like any other business, I think that wants to different, like grocery stores and gas stations, right? What's going to get people and what's going to keep people in the door? Uh, food. They, they began serving food and 
Uh, I think Waka Flocka did a video that you can find where he goes over his favorite Atlanta strip club and in doing it uh, begins to talk about the food. And the video yeah. happens. Yeah. The, yeah, the video happens up being about food. And that's not a lie. I think uh, over time, like when who's the NBA player who recently um, got out of the bubble and yeah, Lou Williams. Yeah. Yeah. It was Lou Williams. Okay, yeah. okay. So so I know that most of America totally laughed at the idea that he went there for chicken wings. I did not. Because it's very possible that Lou Williams, well, one, by the way, Lou's a veteran. Lou is not a, a 22-year-old. Lou has, I'm guessing, been to a strip club before. <laughs> I'm just guessing. And as an NBA player, I think, probably has a kind of numbness to the average strip club experience that I don't know if a normal human being can really identify with. It's probably not. It could be like the availability of that for an athlete on the road in any sport is is built in right in terms of the road circuit and when he said yeah i went there for the wings i believe him i believe him 100 percent. i think he's like yeah no the wings are really good there well and he's yeah he's i mean he's he would have he spent three years as a hawk you know it's like i i i believed him too and i that's why i asked you somewhat jokingly but like everybody a lot of people that you know, I feel like would know, uh, and and who weren't just laughing it off, were like, "No, the wings are like really good there." If, and the fish yeah, in a lot of these places too, big, like the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, I think you would be astonished at the number of places, um, like not just in the south, but primarily in the south, where food is served where you think it wouldn't be served, and how good it can be. I'm on this site uh, with this waka. Um, strip club food, you know, guide. And it says, uh, you know, um, Flocka Durant even shares the most notable things each club has to offer. The good-ass food, a barbershop inside, how good the dancers are. Uh, if it's a good-ass tilapia mm-hmm. plate that they're out for, he's got you. If you want to see the ATL Torque Team All-Stars go hard on a pole, he's got you. And, and if you want to hit a strip club mm-hmm. in the afternoon right before your girl gets home and, it, and, and you don't want to get caught up, he knows which one you should visit. So uh, yeah. Also, also, by by the way, if you're if you're like me and you absolutely love Atlanta gossip, it's the best place to catch up because you can talk to the people who work there, and they will tell you exactly who tips, who's going through it right now, who isn't, who's a jerk. Right. That's why this is how I know. Like like, go anywhere here, and they'll be like, "The eyes a great tipper." Were you in Atlanta? Were you in Atlanta during? Uh, were you were you Post Gold Club from Atlanta? I was, it, Gold Club closed real early on in my tenure because I moved here about 20 years ago. Okay. And Gold Club had just been, like, the FBI was just <laughs> getting their pliers into it. And I think it closed, I want to say, at 04 or 05. Uh, but don't quote me on that. It was early on. But no, I remember the entire saga right down to. Uh, right down to the long list of people that uh, were outed as frequent Gold Club visitors and clients, <laughs> including, including yeah, Patrick Ewing, who had to go on the stand and talk. Like, if you want to know if the criminal justice system really worked for everybody or even in an efficient way, government expenses were spent on putting Patrick Ewing on the stand to talk about going to a strip club. And, uh, that, and that, uh, Andrew Jones, too. Oh, Andrew Okay, poor Andrew. 
Andrew came to Atlanta as a 19-year-old. Yeah, from Curacao. And <laughs> I feel like he, he had it Cura- coming from, to him from for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah from, from, he came to Atlanta as a 19-year-old from Curacao. And for about a decade, he acted like somebody who had grown up on an island without a whole lot of people turnover or new faces. That's, that's what he did. But my favorite thing, you could find Andrew when people go, oh, man, that guy looks like he drank a lot of beer. He did. He did, y'all. He drank, he drank a lot of beer. When he, when he hit 30, he looked like an athlete who had consumed a tremendous amount of beer. I'm not saying as a problem. I'm just saying from a caloric load standpoint, he had a lot of beer. Additionally, he got a tattoo because his, I think one of his nicknames was Bull, or he just, he loved like, I think probably, you know, like there's a long history of like from Orlando Cepeda on, right? Of, of Caribbean players who were, uh, you know, South American players who were nicknamed Bull. So he got a tat, and it was a Chinese tat because, you know, it was the 90s. Um, he got a Chinese tat on his neck that he thought was Bull. And it turns out what he got was Nyal which is a Chinese word for just like male beef animal. It doesn't <laughs> it, like, it's hard to explain it. It doesn't quite, e- it doesn't quite equal bull. Like in Chinese, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, male cow. That's what that means. Like there's better words. There's like more aggressive masculine Chinese words to put on the back of your neck than male beef animal. Andrew Jones was so good. Oh, he was crazy. He, oh, my God. He played the shallowest center field. He was He would get the best jump on the ball of anybody as far as like just reading it off the bat. Yeah. Um, it's, right, yeah, so, yeah, but I will, I, I will tell you this. From that era, the one that locals miss most, particularly women, is Javi Lopez. I have never seen, like, for, for anybody who's like, well, I don't know. You know, like, I don't, I've never done it for women. I don't know. They've never found me particularly attractive. Right. Don't ever talk to an Atlanta woman about Javi Lopez if you feel even remotely that way. Because every woman I know who ever met Javi Lopez or saw him in person, they went to a Braves game again. And they would try to sit as close as they can because Javi Lopez is devastatingly handsome in person and beloved yeah. by most most fans, period, regardless of gender, but particularly by women here. Like Javi, that is like my favorite slept on Atlanta Braves like myth is, is that you know, hey, man, there were big stars on that team. I'm like, yeah, but nobody was bigger than Javi Lopez. Nobody at least were accounted. That was in the hearts and minds and other parts of lady fans of Atlanta. <laughs> and then they let him go to Baltimore, which was bullshit. A- absolutely. It was like the worst decision. Yeah. I think that's probably like the most heartbroken people have been. They're like, oh, no, Dale Murphy, like, I don't know, he had to go. Like, that was a matter of age. And Chipper Jones, yeah, you know, it was good, Chipper. Like, that was fun while we had it. Javi Lopez in Baltimore, hell no. <laughs> Never. Travesty. I think back, too, to the, the, the David Justice trade. And um, when, when they brought in Kenny Lofton, that just never really – Sat well with me. Kenny Lofton was a good player too. God, I'm just thinking. You know who my dude was though? Marquise Grissom. Yeah. Loved Marquise Grissom. Marquise, man, Marquise Grissom and Ron Gant. Those are my two. Oh. Guys. Ron Gant, by the way, um, if you remember Ron Gant, the outfielder with the big guns. Oh yeah. Like he had, he had like the biggest. Like there are two sets of Jack biceps in baseball that are immortal. First was Ted Klesuski. Ted Klesuski cut the sleeves off of his shirt back in the '60s so you could see the guns. Which is unreal. Back in the '60s, it was like you so much as rolled your sleeves up that was considered spicy for baseball. And Ted Klausewski was like, "No, nah, man, 
I got to let these things breathe. I'm going to die. The other one is Ron Gant. And Ron Gant, who had the biggest biceps in baseball for a long time, he is now a broadcaster here. And I'm just disappointed that he does, like, you know, the action news uh, without a sleeveless suit. If anyone in news has the right to pull off a sleeveless suit, it should be Ron Gant. Well, it sucked with Ron Gant because he was he was really good. I think he was. I mean, he had to have been roided out of his mind, but he he was really good. Uh, and then he got into like a, a motorcycle accident or a dirt bike accident. Yeah, he fell off his motorcycle. It, I think it was like and, yeah, yeah. Which is again, pretty Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was I was I was counting it up the other day. Like I've been to, I've been to like thirteen or fourteen World Series games, and I've seen the Braves win like once. Like they correct. just got their asses correct. beat what? by the by the Yankees for a few years, and uh, I mean, God, the the Twins that one year, the Blue Jays that one year, just you know, brutal. Yeah, the only one you can get, only one you can get really mad about, uh, you know, does get your ass handed to is the Twins. There's no reason that trash ass team deserves to be the Braves. None, not after all that, not after not after what the Braves did, not after Sid Slide. That's the only one that I would actually get personally offended over. Yeah. Right. Charlie Lee Grant. Kirby Puckett. Yeah. Serving up. Yeah. Kirby. Kirby Puckett. Kirby Puckett and like what? Dan Gladden. No. No. I deny that. It's it's wild. I I can remember like the Braves are one of those teams. I I can probably remember more old players from the Braves than most. Because they were on TBS too. They were on TBS. They wore out my Cincinnati Reds. Um. I mean, I like. Jeff Blauser, Blauser, Mark Lemke, yeah. I, you know, the middle infield. Lemmer, man. <laughs> like Terry Pendleton was a big problem for the Reds. <laughs> Otis <laughs> Nixon. <laughs> yeah. Otis Nixon might like, I. he was, I mean, he had to have been hoovering up all of the cocaine all over the Southeast. Like that guy, you know, his eyes were so sunken in. I think he's been arrested a dozen times since then. But he was so much fun to watch and he was like a freaking – squirrel out in the outfield like he would just climb up the walls and everything he was one of my favorite players i mean like if we're gonna go out in that Braves limb though like the Braves being good is always unusual to me because the first baseball game i ever went to was at the old launching pad before they were good and then proceeded to as a child leisurely watch the braves do things like uh lose 11 to 2 to the phillies all the time <laughs> um in a, in a like in a stadium that I personally witnessed the following happen. Uh, when things would get boring, uh, they would start to throw rocks at Chief Nakahoma. <laughs> very politically Jeez. incorrect. He had a, he had a teepee uh, out in the outfield, right? Oh, God. He had a teepee right. tee- tee- out in the Yes. He had a teepee tee- out in the outfield. <laughs> Jeez. Right? Think, of, think, of the millions, think of the millions of American kids that just wander home from school Flip on TBS, you know, hoping to watch Save by the Bell, but instead get like the daytime Braves games and see the see the TP and, and the watch, Chief and out in the outfield. You're just watching Bruce Benedict hit into another double play. <laughs> you're watching like you're watching Bob Horner sweat out whatever was left in the bar that night. <laughs> There's Oda B. McDowell letting a ball go over his head in center field. Dale, Dale Murphy toiling and in, in Dale Murphy. Miserable obscurity. Just, toil- just Dale Murphy just going, hey, it's great. This is going to be on the table when I get home, and I love my kids. Going to, I'm going, I'll go to Temple this weekend, and I'm just going to 
he's just gonna live this like happy Mormon ass life. Like he was such a like shining light of everything that Atlanta is not. He really was because you know this is a town full of like hustlers and transients and and people on the make and. Dale Murphy was like, hey, I get three squares a day, pray to God. I do all the things you people don't do. You know, faithful to my wife, do community service. I'm great, with, I'm great with my kids. I'm awesome at my job. Everybody's like, yeah, that guy, he's a typical brave. And I'm like, no, that's not what this franchise is. I remember <laughs> this, when they traded franchise- for, uh, for Fred McGriff and the press box caught on fire that night. Remember that? Yeah. Like a, that, that, like a that, chafing that was, dish. Yeah, chafing dish went up. Chafing dish is really like a glor is a really glamorous term for I imagine probably what it was. Probably like press box hot dog, you know, container. Yeah, is what that was. And like a, ch- a chafing dish burned, you know. Like for a while, the Braves, you know, claimed to be a bit fancier than perhaps they were. Jane Fonda sitting in the stands making some World Series every now and then don't really question what happened with the results from those. They were there. Some national prominence, Deion Sanders, using them as a prop to play both ways and then go back to football without much thinking. <laughs> I know Deion said he loved it. He left it real quick. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I love baseball. Bye. Bye, y'all. John Sherholz took care of that. Yeah. Um, guaranteed money. He liked yeah, the guaranteed he, money in baseball. That's what he liked. Yeah. You know, that's like – when you talk about why why golf has a special place in Georgia and in Atlanta's heart in particular, there's a lot of different factors in that. Some of them are historical, some of them are economic. But I think that discounting the overall dismal quality, nature, performance, and experience of Atlanta pro sports uh, and all of that would be a lie. It really would. I know Augustus here. I know this is a warm place where you can play all the time. I know that this is a a spot where there are a lot of people who grow up playing golf, and there have been a lot of really great influential golfers from this area. However, saying, you know, do I want to watch this game, or do I want to go get in a quick 18? That answer is made a lot easier when the Atlanta Falcons are on the other end of that equation. Yes. You remember, uh, you remember when, when Andre Risen, uh, Lisa left, I burned, burned his house down through all of his yeah, Jordans probably in the, great, in the bathtub? Yeah, it's probably the greatest moment in Atlanta sports history. Yeah. The greatest moment in Atlanta sports history is when Andre Risen gets his house burned down by Lisa left. <laughs> now that says something, but also I don't want to discount it. It's also the most Atlanta story I know because yep. it involves what? A, mu- a music star, an athlete, arson. Very important. Arson, is, Arson has a significant spot in the city's history. It was all of his shoes. It like, was all of his shoes that were getting, like, that's how she started the fire. She poured gasoline on all of his yeah. shoes in the bathtub, right? In the bathtub. And the thing that actually sent the whole house up was the fiberglass bathtub, right? That's the thing that actually, like, the shoes would burn for a while. But what she didn't count on is this. Those things go up fast. The bathtub will burn and that ended up being the primer that sent the entire home to the ground. So, yeah, that's that's a spectacular moment in Atlanta sports history. I think before that, the greatest moment in, sports, in Atlanta sports history was probably Pascual Perez getting lost on 285 when he got traded <laughs> to the Braves. You don't know this, Pascual Perez just got lost. Just got lost on the loop, 
Pascual Perez later revealed to have some substance abuse issues. This drove around 285 for the better part of not a few hours, but a few days before the Braves found him. 285 <laughs> is a loop around the city. It's like 50, That's all it it's is. Like 55 miles. We used to try to, in study hall, and so I went to school like on the kind of north side, like right by Perimeter Mall. So right at the Ashford Dunwoody exit there. And we, we would mm-hmm. have like an hour long study hall and the, like we had this stupid thing where like we would try to make it around 285 and get back to our next class during study hall. Did you make it? Yeah, I made it one time. That's impressive. Yeah. That's, that's very impressive. That's terrifying driving. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, okay, Spencer, uh, let me ask you this. When, what, what took you to Atlanta? When did you get to Atlanta? What's, what's your personal history with the city? Uh, I grew up in the northern suburbs for, I think, four years out of, you know, like, like primary, like, 18-year span when you're generally, like, growing up. Is, I, is, I that what, is that what you consider growing up in Tennessee? Is, are ten, is Tennessee the northern suburbs of Atlanta? No, <laughs> no, okay. no, no, no. Um, okay. Not yet. The, yeah, they would they would really object to that yeah. probably for really really like terrible reasons. Yeah, like like they, Randy, you better watch yourself next time you go to Chattanooga. Yeah, Chatt- Chatt- Chattanooga does not think that's cute. By the way, that's a, that's a good yeah. way to that's a good way to have to throw down with somebody from Chattanooga to be like, so this is the northern suburb of Atlanta. That's when the brass knucks come out. Yeah, the I came here because. I had a friend who was living here waiting tables. I didn't have anything going on. And we were kind of looking for some place. Like I'd been living in Florida before that. And it turns out that Florida uh, is terrible. So we really didn't. Florida's <laughs> bad. You know, if you, want, if you want to feel like you're sort of living uh, the modern American experience in any kind of non-psychotic way, um, you know, y'all work in golf. I could see that working because basically that's, that's the center of your industry is Florida. Um, it is not the center of any other industry you want to be a part of. Spencer, I will it's say not. we live at the so, beach. We live, we live at, we live in Atlantic, Neptune, Jack's beach, Ponte Vedra. We don't leave the beach very often. Like we do not cross the coastal you? very often. Yeah. So I just want to put that caveat no. out there. No, no, no. Why would you like what, you know, I know what's over there. You don't want it, you know? Yeah. Um, the, so that would just move to Atlanta and kind of got jobs. Um, you know, and that's how I ended up. I just thought it was cool. It was a place that didn't cost a whole lot to live in town at the time. It really didn't. Um, that's changed dramatically, um, over the past 20 years. But at the time it was a good place that had, you know, there were people in their twenties who lived downtown and had places. What part of town did you, did, did you, did you move to first? Uh, I lived in of all places the first place i was in inman park okay. and lived like in an apartment in an apartment in inman park inman park is uh one of the oldest neighborhoods in atlanta but at the time um it had i think it had sort of partially or mostly gentrified but it was just kind of old people hadn't redone everything and raised the rent yet so I managed to live there for a while and then lived in Hamlin park and or not Hamlin, but lived in uh Avondale lived in Kirkwood, all mostly in town. So I've always been, I still like it because it's a place where I think it's a place where a lot of really creative people live and are sort of drawn to, not just for 
not just for, you know, the obvious things like Turner here and the film industry has only gotten bigger here. Um, it's very weird, by the way, to, you know, when you drive to the airport and you look over to the left and you see the Porsche headquarters, Porsche has their yeah. American headquarters here in Atlanta. And the Porsche International Headquarters also doubled as the Avengers Headquarters in all of the Marvel movies. And once you see it, you really can't unsee it. So they CGI'd the whole thing so that it looked like it was next to the Hudson. And um, But once you see it, you really can't unsee that for, you know, even in the nice guys. Um, have you seen the nice guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling? I'm an evangelist for this movie. Yes, yes. It's a fantastic movie. I've yeah, never seen that it. house. Okay, you need to see it. Okay, what tonight? That's what you're doing tonight. You live in Florida. You don't have anything else to do. I do. So, oh, I just started what? Yellowstone last night. So, yeah, so you're, you're that could wait. Okay, it'll you, be there. Honestly, the, Spencer, the nice I think I watched the Nice Guy again on a recommendation from you off of like Twitter or something. Oh uh, yeah, I good. Tell tell a friend. I think because I want a sequel. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, but we, it, we've interrupted, yeah. That house, that house that they party at, the California house owned by the porn director in that movie, that's Dallas Austin's house on, uh, up, up, sort of on, like, up on north side, like yeah. off of, uh, Mount, Mount Parent. That, that's Dallas Austin, like, music producer Dallas Austin's, like, space house. They just CGI it into the hills of, like, Los Angeles. For the purposes of the movie, so that's been that's been very weird. A lot has changed, but the sort of people who live here um, really hasn't. You know, like I honestly think like moving here at the same time that Outcast was getting really really huge was super formative because I always thought like if these guys are here, right, then this is a place where like fairly weird or offbeat creative people from the south can come and do all right. No, that's totally true. I, I completely agree. My parents moved there in 88 and just like the way it changed from 88 to 96 with the Olympics and then, you know, a bunch of companies moving there. And then from the Olympics onward, like from just from like 2000 to 2010, as far as the film industry and the rap industry and just all of that, like it, it just blew up. I mean, just so much like the restaurant industry, um, just like shockingly how or it's shocking how how much of a cultural mecca it is that i think people uh, around the country who haven't spent a whole lot of time in atlanta kind of underestimate it yeah like all you really need to know is about you know how much atlanta has changed is is to be told with these ways because yeah. that's the course that you that's the course that you might have in the 1980s you might have gotten robbed playing and <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. That neighborhood, Kirkwood, um, was not a place. It was, it was not a safe place for a lot of people. Little, and little Vietnam, you know, right? That was the nickname. Yeah, little little Vietnam. It was, and now it, you know, now it's got now now it's just cuddly. It's a quiet little, quiet little, extremely much more expensive now. You know, gentrified neighborhood. It's a very different place, right? Um, you know, you like I, I. The one thing that we can always do in Atlanta is bulldoze something. <laughs> always, like th that option. That option is always there, 
and it's like very little. That's another reason that East Lake's weird. That East Lake is history. East the oh well, they're like, oh, that's cute. That's cute. You know what? We can put a Panera there instead <laughs> of that historical site, and generally the Panera wins. Yeah. Okay, I got to ask you about the music scene. Then you you mentioned Outcast. What? We like to ask guests to power rank certain things. What would be your you know, top three, top five Atlanta hip-hop artists if you had to power rank them? Um, yeah, I'm going to reach a little, like, Atlanta-specific. Um, Outcast, fair. Uh, T.I., people kind of, like, sort of forget T.I. Yeah. T.I. T.I. massive. Are you all right? Massive. Going back to Outcast, are you a big are you Andre or big boy? Uh, I'm a big guy because he shows up. That's that's it. Like I love Andre, but Andre Andre didn't keep making stuff. Yeah, Andre. And by the way, Andre is under no obligation to make stuff. It's not it's not a toy for me to play with. If he wants to show up, that's great. <laughs> Whenever he shows up, destroys stuff. He's every single cameo that that guy's made on anyone else's track has been the best thing on that track but you know he'll make it when he wants to big though big shows up big keeps showing up um you know i'm gonna forget somebody too that's the worst part about this future future is 100 you know what i'm gonna put two chains third God, all right if future, you, i love future. if you don't mention our guy we're I, gonna, I know we're gonna be you, furious here. yeah oh what you, go ahead Go ahead. Who am I? Who am I? Who have I already? Well, I mean, first of all, you, you know, you, you got uh, the Yin Yang Twins. On the, <laughs> obviously, they're they're the sol- Soldier Boy, G- Gucci Mane, uh, Ludacris, OJ the Juice Man. The, the- you know what? I, I could go if you just said if you just said like like Gucci and Luda, and then just cut it there at the top five. I'd be okay. <laughs> no, we're still we you know that. Young Jock, uh, Young Dro. Uh, the shop walk, boys walk, walk a flock of flame killer mike like pa- I, I pastor think troy mike, i think migos pastor baby troy, b uh, atlanta <laughs> you know like here's the other thing too atlanta claiming pastor troy is like i don't know i feel like pastor troy belongs to the state of georgia that's that's right? true yeah like that i always feel like he's pastor he's troy is kind of like class. he's like herschel walker right like he doesn't belong yeah, to yeah. atlanta he belongs to the state of georgia you know Right, he belongs. He belongs to the state, you know, because like, like Pastor Troy might might or might not be beloved in Atlanta, but if you go to like Eatonville, people exactly. love Pastor Troy. Yeah. No, you we're know, talking about. Do, do we like, say well, Lil, Lil John? I don't. No, I, don't, I, don't, we've mentioned. I don't really. Yeah. No. Uh, Lil John, you got uh, Usher. Uh, yeah, Usher's no. not really a rapper though. <laughs> <laughs> Bone Crusher. Usher. Usher, I'm I'm like one of the people in the state who hate us. I, I, I can't stand Usher. I can't stand. Uh, I don't like Ludacris. You don't get to make a whole album about how you like cheated on your girlfriend and got someone else pregnant, and then make her give you credit for it. I always thought that was the most vile thing in R and B. Yeah, I did this, but I'm but you should give me credit because I'm being honest about it. No, no, you're you're lucky. You're lucky I haven't taken a baseball bat to you. Well, Spencer, I, I think, you know, I've, I've never really been disappointed in you before. I'm disappointed in you right now because we're forgetting an absolute titan of the Atlanta rap scene. And we've given I'm you every opportunity. But, but to be fair to Spencer, he, he's self-described. He's not really a rapper. So I, 
That's true. I, I think, you know, we, we can't be too disappointed in Spencer because sure. he's probably not thinking of him sure. as a rapper. So who have I for, who have I forgotten who's not really a rapper? <laughs> it, uh, he's more of an agent now, I think, is his latest in Denver. And, and a trapper. And, and a trapper. Uh, he's somewhat of a snowman. Uh, so we're talking about Jeezy, and I will I will have confessed that Jeezy Jeezy was like had like a real short but intense heyday, like like not too long. I don't think he was like his best was as good as anybody's, and nobody has ever loved rapping about money more, like nobody <laughs> or rapping about how he's like, not a rapper. And it's like, yeah, yo, no, dude, no. like you've just come out with like your fifth album, like you're clearly a rapper now. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, sure. That's just that's that's just diversification. He was just practicing that from the start. I, I like Jeezy for me is a guy who I'm like, I, I really like like one album, right? One one album. I think I think I think that's the only one that really matters. One hundred two was good too. It, it had good songs, but like one hundred one, I it was shut, like he shut it down. Holy shit! Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but at the same time, like. Also, too, there's a problem. I think you can either you could either put Gucci in your top five, or you could put you can't put both. Because I just feel like politically that they don't get along. Yeah. They never have. They have, they have falling out of sorts. So you got to grab one or the other. I'd much rather grab Gucci. Gucci's funny. Yeah. Not that Jeezy isn't funny, but like I don't. I like I like one of them better than the other, and that's the greatest crime I can commit here. Uh, I I want to point out to listeners just because we're kind of talking about the music industry and we mentioned magic city earlier, there is a phenomenal GQ article all about how like the Atlanta strip club kind of runs the music industry there. Uh, article by Devin Friedman. And I think they made like a video documentary about it too, but look up Devin Friedman all about how Atlanta strip clubs run the music industry. It's fascinating article. Yeah, I would, you know, like, if, and if I were telling you, okay, if you're going to be in town and you would like to have this experience, um, it's not the same experience, but one deal in the refurbishment of the Claremont Hotel is that they couldn't touch the Claremont Lounge in the basement. Yeah. So. Explain to Randy what the Claremont Lounge is. Claremont Lounge is a lounge where occasionally somebody just uh, takes off their clothes and dances on top of the bar. That's, you're never really sure who's going to do it <laughs> at any point. But well, it's I've, where, always, I've always kind of equated it to like a, a stripper retirement home. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I, I think it's like off hours. That's it. Like, you, you could hang out there when you weren't on duty. And you could go to the Claremont and occasionally dance. And I think that was the deal. But the Claremont is uh, an institution. And and just a, a really relaxed time. Yeah. A really interesting, unique spot in Atlanta period the Claremont hmm. there was there was a um, uh, I'm not sure if she's still there I can't remember what her name was but there was a uh, Goldie Goldie yeah she would she would uh, crush a beer can between her tits <laughs> yep she that had was, a comic book yeah, she, she had like a, a graphic novel yeah that she wrote huh. that I believe she will sell you maybe like she might have a copy on her if she's there it is that is part of old Ponce that really hasn't gone away, like old Ponce de Leon, the, the road. 
still there, which, by the way, Claremont just down the street from the original Murder Croaker, like of the OG Murder Croaker. So, so are you? A, so on that on that note, because I know you know with Pond City Market and the Beltline and all this stuff, generally, are you a fan of of all the gentrification of of the kind of that Ponce corridor and some of the other, um, you know, more historic parts of the city? Or do you think it's it's just been overrun and kind of neutered and, and made very vanilla? Uh, you're you're in danger of always saying to go like, hey, you know, it sucks that this place is more expensive and a little more anodyne than it used to be, or a lot more anodyne than it used to be. You're always at risk of saying of sounding like some sour hipster mm-hmm. who's been priced out of a place. However, there the the sort of charming the the, the elements that were charming, right? probably might have been only charming if you just went there to party. If you live there, it probably sucked. Yeah. So it's never a 100% exchange between good and bad when you talk about a place getting, you know, gentrified, cleaned up, etc. I will say that um, the Pont City Market being where it is, which is in the old Macy's, is very weird for me because that's where the Atlanta Police Department used to have one of their drunk tanks. Yeah, City Hall East, right? Correct. Where they used to have used to be the old Macy's warehouse and the city bought it and it was kind of an albatross and used it for what they could. But one of the things they used it for was the drunk tank. And they would let out anybody who'd been thrown in the drunk tank overnight and they would kind of, they would be released at, you know, seven in the morning and then just kind of do this like walking of the drunks across the parking lot, which was, you know, I would show up for work at the liquor store then. And it was always a really harrowing sight to show up at the same time as everybody being let out of the drunk tank. <laughs> Did all right, it's morning rush hour. So when you were working at Greens, did they just have the one down on Ponce? Did you ever do anything up at the one on? Uh, there was the one. There was there was one other location, I think, or there is one other location. Yeah, no, there's there's one north there's one north side, um, I believe, kind of around like Piedmont. But yeah, no, I, we never did that. Like where where I worked, it was where I worked, it was strictly. Uh, it was strictly Midtown and all about Midtown. Like one time we got this massive order for beer and I'm like, man, who, who on earth is getting this much beer? And they're like, Tio's birthday party is happening. He wants all the Heineken you have. So Terrell Owens needed beer. We got him beer. How, how, how would you explain the difference between Midtown and Buckhead and downtown? I, that's something that always confuses me they're about all Atlanta. On, they're all on Peachtree. They're just I just feel different. like they have like three different... Uh, to, to a Cincinnati kid like me, you know, we have like one downtown, right? We have one area with big buildings, and Atlanta has three, and it always confuses me. At least, yeah. At least depending on Downtown is more of the, you know, there's like not a whole lot of residential down there. You know, there's more than there used to be, but there's not a whole lot. It's, that's more of a, like, that's, that's the, the functionary part. And by functionary, I mean, that's where City Hall is. That's where, um, you know, like the district court is. That's where... Uh, the United States Circuit Court is. That's where a lot of, you know, Georgia State administration and Georgia State University itself is down there. Banks, so too. that's not... Like, big, like a bunch of, yeah, like, Bank, SunTrust. Yeah. yeah, Georgia Georgia Southern, right? Or, or Sorry, Georgia Pacific is down there. Yeah, you Georgia, Georgia Power's got a big office or their, their headquarters. Yeah, that's kind of where all of them are. That, that's the big... That's the big node downtown. Then there's the second, which is, you know, a little bit north of it. That's Buckhead. And Buckhead is, Buckhead is, you know, you're a north sider. Uh, you can explain it better than I can. North, Buckhead is just kind of, 
I don't even want to say where that that's where old money is because well, I think the not. old money's kind of between Buckhead and Midtown, right? Like when you get kind of in that, you know, like Peachtree Battle. Um, I wouldn't even consider that Buckhead even. Like kind of over by yeah, Bobby, like, by like Bobby Jones and Piedmont Hospital and all that. Yeah, that's just rich people. Yeah, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Buckheads, Buckheads, where like allegedly rich people are, or maybe momentarily rich people are. I don't think that's where actual rich people are. Midtown. Midtown is, is interesting because Midtown is like right around Piedmont Park and Piedmont is there. That is, that is like where it's, it's a really interesting number of people have come through Midtown historically. It is the heart of the Atlanta gay community. Like the LGBTQ community is, is anchored right there at, at Piedmont and 10th. Um, it's, you know, it's got these like great old houses. It's got Piedmont Park. Um, but it wasn't always like this sort of really kind of well-off neighborhood. Midtown is where like Jerry Reed grew up when he was born in Atlanta. And it was not a particularly nice spot at the time. Um, it's older. That's where like Grady High School is. So uh, Midtown is, you know, more residential. Midtown is, you know, a little more high rise than it used to be. Midtown's where there's a lot of good restaurants. That's a really good spot to start is Midtown. Um, and then there's all these little micro neighborhoods that kind of go along it, you know, like all the way out east and out west kind of, um, you know, Atlanta for me is more of an east-west town than a north-south town. And I don't think that's yeah. the typical experience. It's very hard to get from east to west, too. Like, that's part of the problem yeah. is like, it's not, it's a good east-west town, but it's, it's like impossible to get from east to west. I always kind of equate Atlanta to, in the way that it's like a city of neighborhoods. I think like this, the sum of its, like it's, it's. It's greater than the sum of its parts, I think, where if you just went to Atlanta and you just hung out in downtown, midtown, and Buckhead, you'd, you'd be missing the whole point, right? Um, I always equate it to, like, kind of D.C. with just a much shittier metro system. Yeah, or, or Houston. Houston's another, yeah. like, if you want to talk about Houston's, like, Houston's kind of like the Atlanta concept blown out. <laughs> she, did, she did the Atlanta concept, but you did it real big, and you're looking at... <laughs> Houston, but you know, it's a very, it's, there's a steep learning curve in terms of understanding where everything is and kind of where everyone is, especially because that can change really, really quickly. But that's one of the things that makes it fascinating to me, you know, and, and that it's accessible. It's not, you know, it's, it's a place that, it's a place that really doesn't like to keep things around too long. So you kind of have to keep your eyes open to enjoy it while it's here. What like what was the catalyst for you moving to West End? It just like I've never like because you were over more on the east side, and it seems like you kind of stay you kind of stay on one side of the city or the other. There's not a whole lot, and I know the West Side's gotten more and more popular over the last ten years or so. But what was the catalyst for that? Well, I mean, main, mainly that you can get a little more house over here for your dollar. Yeah, that's, that's a big that's a big reason, and. In addition to that, um, had friends over here for like, you know, over a decade and you know, like, you should move over here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Ask and you yeah. shall receive, <laughs> you know? Uh, deep, uh, we, we, we probably got to get to our most important questions here. I don't want to take you too yeah. long. Do you, uh, do you golf, Spencer? Do you ever play golf? No. <laughs> Sick. You're a perfect guest then. Um, yeah, like absolutely. Like, 
I grew up playing golf and it was a sport that, you know, dad, dad was like, Hey, you're going to learn how to do this. And there's really no better way to ensure that as an adult, you will not play that sport than, than to be brought along and play it. You know, I will play the hell out of some putt putt. That I will do left and right. <laughs> putt putt's so much fun. I, I'm, I'm passionate about putt putt. Like I'm really lucky that there is not a course within, you know, like three miles of me or that is all I would do. Do you consume golf at all? I, and I only ask that, uh, I, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with the piece you wrote in conjunction with Augusta, gosh, what was that, two, three years ago now? Um, but, I'm, but I'm just Probably curious, quarter, yeah. yeah, I'm just curious and if the, you... And the one he wrote on Phoenix was really, really good. Yeah, too. the Phoenix, yeah, thank you. The Phoenix one was exceptional yeah. as well. Do you, yeah, do you, is it just like you parachute into golf for, you know, a, a couple of weeks and, and do what you need or do you consume it at all? I, I think keeping tabs on is probably the best. You know, I think everybody has a sport they keep tabs on. And with golf, I try to keep tabs on it. Honestly, one of the things that has been a catalyst for me kind of getting back into watching it a little bit more besides the pandemic, you know, golf showed up because, hey, if you need a sport where you stay, where you stay socially distant. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 ideal, man. You don't even touch the, you don't even touch the same ball. That's the best part about golf. That I thought, well, you know, there's other sports you could do at a distance. True, but golf is such a like individualistic, selfish sport that that you're not even supposed to touch anyone else's stuff. That's that's the most like it's the most Scottish sport imaginable, right? Like property rights are enforced down to the T. So you know, you don't even. You can't even do that, so it was perfect. But I think also one of the things that, you know, I keep tabs on it, I watch it. One of the things that really spurred me besides the pandemic to stay interested in it, though, was, you know, spots like No Laying Up and like the Shotgun Start, who, you know, I, I will watch anything if people covering it are entertaining and funny. I really will. You know, like every time I get sort of lackadaisical about keeping tabs on the NBA, people who are just really funny and smart and cool who cover the NBA kind of get me back into it. And I think golf has that now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think golf, by the way, has always had a strain of it. You know, Dan Jenkins, Dan Jenkins wrote about two things. He wrote about college football and wrote about golf. And he was amazing at both of them. And if I read him, I would be real interested in what I was reading, you know? Um, I feel Frankly, like you've been like, you've been also intrigued by the the quote unquote big golfer, correct? Big golf. Listen, Bryce is funny. I mean, like people will go like every time we go. Oh man, Bryce is hilarious. We'll go. Hey, you know he's actually kind of a dick. I'm like I don't really, <laughs> I don't have to hang out with him. You know, like I don't have to atone for whatever Bryson's violations of the social contract are. I don't even have to play golf with him. I don't have to work with him. You know what I have to do? I have to watch him hit bombs, man. Like, yeah. he's not the golfer I find most fascinating. You know? I, I th Phil is the one I think is, like, the funniest in terms of just... And when I say funny, I mean, I'm just fascinated with the way he works. It's like now, performance he, art. Uh, he's, a, he's a performance artist. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by somebody who is so talented they can get themselves into and out of trouble <laughs> without, without ever ever 
letting the keel get upset. Just saying like, yeah, man, freaky. <laughs> I think every time you look over at somebody like that and you go, you know, you could do this another way. And they would look over and say, but why? Isn't this fun? Well, and I think like, that applies to his, his whole saying? lifestyle off the course too. He's like, like Phil, like, do you need to be like insider trading? Like, like, why not? Like, this is uh, well, sick. No, I'll say, honest to God, I thought, Spencer, I thought you were talking about his off-course <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. But And I was getting ready to say, like, that's amazing because that, you perfectly described his on-course game, too. It's it's No, that's it, it's everything, right? Yeah. It's everything. And I kind of, like, honestly, I identify with that because I've never done anything in moderation. And, um, and I have at times suffered from being uh, both, like, smart and stupid at the same time. And I just feel like, people would say, well, you know, it'd be fun if you could be more, uh, like if you were more consistent or normal. And that's just not a, it's not an option for some of us, y'all. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like Phil has that same kind of like idiot savant streak sometimes where you go, Hey, you did something right. And the same thing that allows you to do something right. is also the thing that's going to blow up in your face later. (laughs) Except the difference with Phil is that the losses, are by and large consequence free. They might be spectacular, but Wingfoot 2006 is like <laughs> the most. I, I'm I'm going to do something on this eventually. But Wing, but his collapse is open is one of the funniest things I've ever seen because <laughs> it is laced through with the kind of stupidity and like unintentional tragedy that I think really makes great comedy. Like the minute Phil, the minute Phil is told, "Hey, Forwood." The driver, like that's, that's <laughs> the human condition right there. For some of us, that he only has to do his layup, and then he hits it off the hospitality tent. Uh, I mean, oh. and, and it's not just, and it's not just that he misses the shot. No, he hits, he hits the damn tent. He hits the tent, and he can still save it, and he just keeps <laughs> pushing the life preserver away. I got this. No, I got this. I got this. One of my favorite things about that whole thing is, is cause, and, and I feel like he's a character that, that you would quite like as well is like, that was Monty's tournament to lose. And, oh yeah. And you know, and, and, and Monty's, you know, all, all pompous and prim and proper and, you know, getting ready to win his first major. And then he gasses it away too. Like it was, it's just, there it was, it was like a comedy of errors was a tragedy. That whole event. Like, there's nothing, Great. like, I find nothing, and that's what I don't, sorry, how's this? I generally don't find uh, most victories to be the story. I just don't. You know, I am usually fascinated in these big events where you have individual athletes, and I think this is where golf can really excel. And golf's hard, golf's hard to cover, too. Like, I, I think that a lot of times you don't get these stories because golf is so difficult to cover in person and i think that's one of the reasons that the door is left wide open for you know online media to do so well with golf because you have the biggest eye if you're not actually sitting there on the course Mm -hmm. you know you you have the greatest perspective on it if you are sitting in the media center or watching it on tv you know and Mm -hmm. if you could strike somewhere in between you get like i think a really interesting coverage of a really interesting kind of game but I usually find the guys who blew it or the guys who finished third or fifth, right? Like Tony Finau at the Masters was amazing to me because, you know, he, <laughs> again, this is a very human condition story. Play the greatest round of your life. 
and then you're celebrating and you roll your ankle because <laughs> you're excited. That's, that's the best damn story in terms of the story I find fascinating, which is somebody who, you know, in that moment does something really human. And I think really revealing of their character is to go, oh man, I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so happy and like through no fault of my own, like nobody, I mean, does anyone blame Tony Finau for doing that? Like, well, what are you doing? Jumping? Nobody said that. They were just like, oh man, that sucks. I think that's really too bad. Going back to your point too, not to get too golf heavy here, but I think there's a certain element of that. um, I feel like we see less collapse, like less epic collapses now because the ball spins a lot less in the way they set up courses and everything. Like it's just, there's just less opportunity to make like the dumbest double and triple bogeys down the stretch. Like guys can just kind of keep their hands on the steering wheel, try to keep it between the mayo and the mustard and just get home versus like a Jean Vandeveld or like it, it, and nowadays like it takes a special character like Phil to truly gas one away for the most part. Well, to, to gas one away because that's your choice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that's, the, that's the thing that even makes it more amazing is, you know, this could be easy. Nah, nah. Uh, I would much rather do this the hard way. That's spectacular. Do you, all right. So going back to, to Atlanta, do you, how do you assess? Cause it, cause it's definitely a college sports town. Like mm-hmm. going back to your pro sports thing, you know, partly because everybody, a lot of people went to ACC and ICC schools and also just cause the pro sports sucks. Um, how do you assess the, the collegiate rooting interests in the city? Is it, you know, primarily Georgia fans, smattering of, of kind of Georgia Tech fans, and then, you know, you've got your Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee contingents here and there. And some Sunbelt yeah, Sun weirdos. <laughs> you get some you get some Sunbelt weirdos. My favorite place the fan base has ever shown up is when the cookout opened on Moreland. Cookout, <laughs> first, the first store from legendary chain cookout out of North Carolina. I think the first one was uh, NC State affiliated. It was in Raleigh, I think. Um when that opened, the entire parking lot, I thought, oh, there's going to be a bunch of NC State bumper stickers here. Nope, ECU. Like, every ECU crowd <laughs> on the planet showed up to cook out on Moreland. Nothing but pirates, like, bumper stickers in that parking lot. It was amazing. There are a ton of Georgia fans here. A ton. There are a lot of Alabama fans here. I don't know whether they went to Alabama, uh, but they're definitely Alabama fans. There are many, many Florida Gator fans here. Tons. A lot of Florida Gator fans. Because, same reason. You want to go to a city, got some stuff going on, uh, and has a pretty bumping economy, you know, and you're in Gainesville. You're going to go to Miami. You're going to go to Tampa. You're going to go to Atlanta. So there's a lot of people coming here from going to school in Gainesville. There is a substantial ACC contingent. They're pretty well diversified. You know, it's not like you see like a super ton, mega ton of uh, Clemson fans. It's pretty even across the board. Good number of like Florida State fans here. So, you know, between those fan bases and everyone else in the SEC piling in, um, Saturdays are the day here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, sure, the Falcons full. They do. You get like 
an NFL team, and especially if they're playing somebody else, then you know, get weird things like Pittsburgh Steeler fans from uh, Birmingham showing up, you know, which I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I guess you have some kind of industrial solidarity across the board. <laughs> yeah. You become a Steelers fan. Steelers, you know, Birmingham, Chattanooga, uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, uh, all right, going, going back, one, one of my favorite columns you ever wrote when you were uh, doing the EDSBS website was uh, when you compared each collegiate football fan base to a drug. Um, where like it was like, you know, Michigan was something super, super old school and I, I can't remember specifically what it was, but I think they were morphine, but don't quote me on that. I, I believe it was Laudan, a, maybe. it was a twenty twelve article entitled Your BCS team as a drug. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> that does sound vaguely familiar, yeah. Yeah. Uh I, yeah, I can just give you a, a quick jog of the memory. We have Alabama as cocaine, uh, Florida as meth. Yeah, the king. The king. <laughs> Al- <laughs> Auburn, is, Auburn is knockoff cocaine. I think that's important to note. <laughs> that is very important to note. Yeah, free base. <laughs> um, Georgia as... <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, just laughing reading some of these. Georgia, unsure about Georgia, zero pattern, pretty good but not great, numbing Xanax, UGA Xanax. So my, my question for you is going to be, would you change that? Under the Kirby Smart era, or is Georgia still 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 Xanax? No, Georgia's really sort of doubled down on that, haven't they? Yeah, you watched them last year. That was definitely the Xanax team, as in mostly undefeated, but not real lively. Uh, allegedly, like the the twenty twenty season being <laughs> slow rolled and or potentially canceled has really interrupted my opportunity to just laugh at Georgia trying to actually have an offense. Not because they'd be bad at it, but because circumstantially. And I think you see this in any sport. When somebody has to play, one of my favorite situations, when somebody has to play against type, when a conservative player has to try to make a shot that they'd really rather not make. And even if they hit it, they kind of hate it. (laughs) Alabama was like that for a long time, and now Georgia is the the most conservative and occasionally forced to gamble kind of thing. I love that. I love teams that are... Super, super reckless who occasionally try to run the clock out. That's hilarious to me. Like when an air raid team has to do it. Yeah. So I wouldn't change Georgia at all. They're still, they're, they've, if anything, they're like extra strength Xanax. I think LSU as bourbon is still perfect. Uh, Tennessee as ketamine. Uh, Vanderbilt as nutmeg. Kentucky as methadone. Texas A&M as acid. Um, I loved Ole Miss as keyboard cleaner. Thought that was a good one. I think that just is yeah, fitting no. now with 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 Lane in charge. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's even probably more fitting now. You know, because I don't know keyboard keyboard cleaner might work for you. Who we, knows? We've got Michigan as opium. It's the 1930s intellectuals heroin, a gentleman's crack, if you will, <laughs> which is yeah. so perfect. It's 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 very good. Yeah, that's a that's a 2012 article. Um, well, I, I know, Kyle, we're an hour and a half. What um, you just uh, co-wrote, I, I think would be the right word, co-created the Sinful Seven. Is there, what What can you tell the folks? Where can they find you? What, what are you up to now? Thanks to plug. Uh, <laughs> Come on, plug it all. Plug it all. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll through it all now in about 30 seconds. Mooncrew.substack.com. That is uh, the new newsletter with um, how long the people Alex Kirsten, Richard Johnson, Jason Kirk, and myself uh, writing about college football and other things. It's free. Subscribe to it. It's real good. Uh, I'm good at what I do, and they're good as well. Probably better than me. Uh, then I have simple7.com, which was our, uh, it's a Western about the NCAA. <laughs> Just buy it. Trust me on it. Just buy it. It's good. Trust me. Half of it's a train robbery. Uh, the other half is, uh, kind of this amazing Bear Bryant, Jack Trice myth. Again, don't get lost in the details of going, Hey, is this weird? Just buy it. It's consumerism. I'm just telling you to buy things. Is it's the tra- is the like train it. robbery based upon your childhood experiences at Stone Mountain? <laughs> it, it is now. It is now. If that will get you to buy it, listener, then yes, it's absolutely based on that. You can follow me on Twitter at edsds, um, and I do uh, I do occasionally stream Fall Guys and other silly video games on uh, Twitch.tv/edsds. Awesome. Spencer, I say I say this like with like no hyperbole. Like you are the reason that we are doing what we're doing. I know we've said that to you in the past, but like you're like you were the inspiration for no laying up. Just like, hey, like why doesn't this shit ex- exist for golf? Kind of like you were talking about earlier. Exactly. So. I the the way you treated characters around college football was such a big influence. You know, you mentioned Bryson and people like, oh, he, he's a dick. He doesn't do things properly. I like. Reading you and 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 kind of getting your take on college football characters opened and expanded my mind to like think about people. Like, no, wait a second, this is all just like, for entertainment. Cares? Yeah, like we want weird people. Um, so, as, as Tron said, this is yeah. You don't you don't often get to talk to your inspirations and and role models. Uh, so this is very much a treat. Well, that's very kind. Um, I take no responsibility for you ending up in the state of Florida, though. You have to bear that uh, alone. That's on you. Personal accountability. Uh, I have, I have, I have a couple quick questions. <laughs> okay. First of all, what happened to the so-so deaf recordings uh, billboard on seventy-five eighty-five? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I do know what happened to. Um, I do know what happened to BMF, and they got busted by. Um, they got busted by the FBI after they put up a billboard essentially during the FBI to investigate uh, Black, Mafia, Black Mafia family records. So I can't answer that question, but I can tell you what happened to the other famous hip-hop billboard in Atlanta. Uh, and then also, I'm, I'm a little bit worried for you. Um, you know, assuming you're kind of near the university center there in West End, there's no, there's no Publix nearby. You've got a Kroger right down the street, but there's no Publix. Oh, no, we got to listen. There's, there's one down Cascade, and there is one uh, real close on uh, on Memorial Drive now, so oh, okay. no worries. There you go. Uh, you ever go to Alfred Tup Holmes Golf Course? No, but I know where it is. I yeah, do, but fun, I wouldn't go there. I, I would, I don't he said he doesn't play. You don't play. I know, but he, he should. <laughs> it's a great spot. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I I'm glad we are finishing in a place that is much better than when you guys <laughs> premeditated ganged up on me about Publix. Uh, in, in Kroger. So I'm, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we're, we're in a much happier place. No, it's a path. We all got to walk, man. And we make our choices. <laughs> I, I, I choose this and if you choose Kroger. I really can't stop you. Yeah. All right. Next year we'll have to have him on. We'll talk about the airport concessions. Cause, uh, there's, you know, that's where the city government's laundering all their money through. Sure. And all, you know, playing all the bribes out. 
Um, the rainforest that yeah, the that rainforest. The, Randy's probably the biggest fan of the the uh, ind- indoor rainforest between what is it between A and B? I, I don't know to be honest. At at uh, Hartsfield, and then uh, and then other than that, probably the arboretum. Yeah, the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. We always talk about arboretums, so we can table that for next year with you. <laughs> No, I'll tell you guys. Like, <laughs> He's you know, like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, well, okay. No, no, no. For next, for next, I was trying to think about the ultimate one. I'll, I'll take you. I'll, I'll show you. I'll show you the abandoned, the abandoned mansion near Emory, Emory University. Love it. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Spencer, we'll let you go. Thank you. I, I on a late Friday afternoon, can't can't thank you enough. Um, and yeah, thanks, thanks for for sharing your time and insights and would encourage everybody to check out all your projects and get on Twitter and Twitch and get the sinful seven. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks y'all. This was fun. Thanks Spencer. All right. Talk later. Favorite rapper, hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper, the absolute.